everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. Alright, and today we are going to continue on with the way station. Um, last time, where we left, um, we met Jake Chambers. Um, Indeed. Roland was, was dying, kind of, well not he was out on on the plane, feeling really thirsty, and then he saw this way station up in the distance. Exactly, with, Roland. Uh, yeah, Roland was. He had fallen. He was kind of bleeding a little bit and cursing his blood for getting absorbed in the the desert hard pan and stuff. So, you know, kind of cursing his own mortality a little bit. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I you think know, we should uh, just do like a quick recap in the in the beginning. Yeah, just so we might can, as well um, move on. So then, um, so Roland comes across this way station he finds this young boy who he finds out is named jake chambers um mm -hmm. he's able to get some food there uh he then hypnotizes jake using his uh his little bullet trick and mm -hmm. um finds out about uh a little bit about jake's life we do a little flashback there to new york city uh, we find new york city about, of around 1977 1978 or so yeah, you know some sometime after a kiss song was playing <laughs> exactly uh, yes we find out about uh jake's family life a little bit and as he's walking to school he gets run over by a car exactly um, and man in a priest garb comes up and uh we're pretty sure that's the man in black who somehow got jake from new york city 1977 to wherever roland is and the edge of the desert here uh so definitely a little bit of magic going on Right, right. And then um, Roland goes down into the to the basement of the way station to get some supplies, some food, um, and he hears this voice who's talking about that the boy has his soul in his pocket. The, the dark the man in uh, black. Yeah. Well, as you travel with the, with the boy, the hang on, I can. Yeah, the go man in right black has your soul yeah. in his pocket. Man in black has your soul in his pocket. Um. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Go slow past the drawers, gunslinger. Watch for the tahine, which is a new thing because tahine didn't exist in 1978. Uh, when you travel with the boy, the man in black travels with your soul in his pocket. So definitely very evocative language and definitely backing up Roland's idea that the boy, it, that Jake is another, another trap that uh, the man in black set for him um so, so then and then you know this... reached yeah reached into the wall pulled a jawbone out so uh yep. there's that whole thing symbolic jawbone that he pulls out of the wall there um mm -hmm. and then him and jake get moving and they're, exactly they're yeah hot on the they... trail of the man in black and mm -hmm. um he's pretty impressed with jake being a good at walking and um but finally they take a break and while they're taking a break gunslinger has a flashback and that's what exactly. brings us to where we are right now indeed right. and one last thing i want to mention is that uh right before uh they go they have this little break gunslinger st tells jake okay so what i'm looking for is this tower that's in the middle of all things and jake is uninterested entirely he's just like yeah okay whatever and then basically jake falls asleep so you know the the dark tower of the dark tower series has been mentioned to jake for the first time and jake is just you know disinterested so just uh, does not care doesn't care whatsoever what's this so, dark tower i don't know and that's how and, that's how i feel a little bit no, no i definitely care but i'm just like i i can't think about that yet 
That's fair enough. Fair enough. You, too far <laughs> off. <laughs> exactly. You got to get invested in the characters first, and invested in just you know, okay, here is protagonist, here's antagonist, and let's find out what they're doing. Totally. And also, thus far, uh, the gunslinger has mentioned um, his sort of. Uh, the gunslinger has mentioned his master, or you know, his trainer, or whatever you want to call him, Court. Thus far, and so now it looks like we're going to meet him. Okay, so section two in the old book, it's uh, section eight in the old in the new, um, starts with um, the sky was white, perfectly white, and the smell of rain was in the air. Smell of hedges and growing green was strong and sweet. It was deep spring. So right away you you get a you realize this is definitely a flashback because it's much different than the uh, the setting that we just left. That we are now in um, uh, Roland's time when he was a kid. And, exactly. Um, we're looking at David the Hawk. David sat on Cuthbert's arm, a small engine of destruction with bright golden eyes that glared outward at nothing. The rawhide leash attached to his jesses was looped carefully about Cuthbert's arm. Um, yeah, we don't need to read kind of everything here. True. Uh, uh, I just wanted to point out a couple of changes thus far, just in that first sentence, because Stephen King can't leave a page alone. Uh, uh, so, first off, we've got, um, you know, this guy was white, perfectly white. Uh, the smell of uh, rain was, let's see, strong in the air is a new adjective. Just a little bit more more, dis- more descriptive, which I enjoy. And another thing that we've added uh, in the new version is it was deep spring, what some called New Earth, which wow. is... In the subsequent book, Stephen King added, you know, different descriptions for each season. So there's full earth, new earth, wide earth, uh, reaping. Um, basically, it's just sort of another way to break down, you know, the four seasons into something like, I think, seven or eight different uh, of these new versions of what whatever you want to call it. So I guess right. spring is new earth. I think reaping is like the end of fall basically you know the time when you know reaping of uh like what you would call the harvest i guess um so again just sort of like tying back in the later lore into the original book so something that i like and yes so and of course stephen king loves seasons right with you know shank redemption the body at pupil Mm. and the breathing method hey indeed nice good job (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, yeah, definitely kind of breaking down uh, sort of the year into more like the the ancient sort of like what farmers would have called it, you know, new earth, reaping, stuff like that. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, so good stuff. I'm not sure how early on we are in uh, Roland and Cuthbert's sort of tutelage here, but definitely seems like... Um, David the Hawk is an unforgiving, uh, uh, I don't know if you even want to call him a weapon or a pet or whatever it is, but I think they're basically more or less using him as a weapon, I would say. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so. And I think we were saying it's kind of a, a analogy to how the gunslingers use bullets. Oh, we'll get to that. Precisely. Um, Yeah. (laughs) To do their killing. So, but they're directing the um, the bird, mm-hmm. so um... yeah, you've got a little bit of uh, description of not only you know <clears throat> the the world around Roland here, like uh, 
let's see the first description we've got of court uh physically at least uh he a silent figure in patched leather trousers and a green cotton shirt that had been cinched high with his old wide infantry belt uh the green of his shirt merged with the hedges and the rolling turf of the back courts where the ladies had not yet begun to play at points so again we're we're getting this sort of like a medieval vibe going on with ladies of the court are playing points which i think is kind of like bowling i'm not quite sure but okay yeah yeah more or less points Points with a capital p yeah back courts with capital b and c exactly yeah (laughs) so and kind of showing that even if they are in this sort of lords and ladies kind of area but this guy court is almost uh unintentionally kind of camouflaged into the 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 grass around him so it seems like he's more uh you know, master of war kind of in this sort of fanciful area that, you know, we've got like a castle and kings and queens and stuff, but this guy is all right. business. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, Roger Castle from, uh, uh, Game of Thrones who kind of mm. trains the boys in Winterfell uh, except Roger Castle is much nicer than Court. Court is, exactly. Yeah. Court, Court is rules with an iron fist as we'll see in a, as second. we're about to see. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, and right before we get to court, actually, just a little bit of uh, characterization of Cuthbert, too, that, you know, he's a, a character that Roland has been referring to here and there as his friend and whatnot. But we get the idea that basically Roland, the first words he says are just get ready. And then Cuthbert is just like, we are ready. And then he's like, it's a beautiful day. Smell the rain, blah, blah, blah. Talking to Davy, the, the hawk. And then. Uh, just because I, I feel like Court is almost like rolling his eyes at this point, and he, uh, as it says here, Court abruptly raised the trap and let the side fall open. The dove was out and up, trying for the sky in a quick fluttering blast of his wings. Cuthbert pulled the leash, but he was slow. The hawk was already up, and his takeoff was awkward. The hawk recovered with a brief twitch of his wings. It struck upward, trudging the air, gaining altitude over the dove, moving bullet swift. Uh, Court walked over to the boys, uh, stood casually and swung his huge and twisted fist at Cuthbert's ear. The boy fell over without a sound. So basically, oh. there, there's that iron fist we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Who punches someone in the ear? God. Why the ear, Why the man? Ear? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... And so a couple of uh, changes just in there, a little bit of a grammatical change. Um, In the new version, it says the hawk recovered with a brief twitch of its wings. In the old version, it just says we've got instead of it being a new uh, sentence, it's we've got a semicolon there. uh, And then it says the the hawk was already up and his takeoff was awkward. Um, with, and then new wow. sentence with a brief twitch of his wings, the hawk recovered. So it's just about making it more concise. So there's, there's another yeah, change yeah. that I agree with. Um, then when it says trudging the air is definitely a new part. But, uh, mm-hmm. as we said before, the, the hawk is basically almost a preparation for the gun. The, you know, just in the description here, the hawk is moving bullet swift. So basically, uh, Gun is something you point and then you just let her fire. Whereas the the hawk here is just something that once you you pull the uh the I guess the mask or whatever that they're wearing off, um, yeah, and let the leash go too. Yeah, you and... let the leash go, and then the the hawk is just gonna take off and you know take care of the business from uh from where you leave off there. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it's, I wonder if they it's like they have they think their guns have kind of sentience like the uh, the hawks do. Hmm. They, I, f- you know. I feel like I don't even even if they're not literally thinking that their their guns are sentience, they want like young boys to kind of have this automatic respect for something that can turn in your hand on a dime. Something that mm-hmm. if you don't treat it well, it could just explode and kill you. So they they want you to you know metaphorically see see your guns as this hawk so in a way so good training for a uh a prospective gunslinger definitely definitely now are Um, all these boys gonna is it just cuthbert and and roland there or are there many boys uh at at the very least in this section we only see the two so uh, at this point, we're kind of led to believe that either there are very few gunslingers or they're only training a few or maybe just that the pool of gunslingers is maybe just very small. So we're not quite sure at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely seems like uh, Roland and Cuthbert are very close friends, probably since infancy. So they probably grew up in this castle together. So... You're not quite yeah. sure of how many gunslingers there are, or maybe there are other gunslingers being taught elsewhere. Who knows? Right, yeah, but that's a, something I was wondering. Mm. Uh, so then Court says, You were slow, maggot, he said. Cuthbert was struggling his feet. I cry your pardon, Court. It's just that I... Boom. Court swung again, and Cuthbert f- fell over again. Speak the high speech. Um, he said softly, his voice was flat with a slight drunken rasp. Speak your act of contrition and the speech of civilization for which better men than you will ever be have died what yeah that's a long complicated sentence but yeah the cell speak your active contrition in the speech of civilization com well i feel like there we almost need some we need some punctuation here just to to ease things up a little bit but (laughs) uh i feel like i would want to be you know just go in with my little red pen and be like comma for which both better men than you will ever be have died so i feel like we got some oh okay yeah, we've got some complicated tenses going on here. Uh, I think there, there, we might have past, present, future, and future imperfect in this one sentence altogether. <laughs> well, also, I think maybe it's some, saying something about Court's uh, uh, education level. Maybe that's just how he speaks. So <laughs> True. But I feel like that's also like a complicated kind of education. Like, we're saying that he knows all of these complicated things, but he's just sort of throwing them all together in one sentence as like a jumble. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's pissed off. So sometimes Definitely when you're angry, you don't, you don't speak correctly. <laughs> and it's interesting uh, because he's telling him to speak correctly. <laughs> but yeah, that's right? just, that's the hypocrisy of adulthood and childhood in, in one thing. So yeah. when he's saying that, when Court's saying that, is he saying it in the high speech or is he saying it in the low speech? Huh. I wonder. Interesting. I guess they, they don't say um true yeah anyway. I, feel, I, I wish there was some sort of like you know high speech is italicized and uh low speech yeah, is yeah. just you know regular because earlier on it, it did say uh they spoke the low speech the language of both scullions and squires the day when they would be allowed to use their own tongue in the presence of others was still far so definitely there's this dichotomy of high speech and low speech kind of the the highborn and the you know the scullery and the squire is the lowborn so again yeah. we've got this whole medieval upstairs downstairs kind of vibe um so, so yeah to court they're supposed to be speaking high speech but 
it's got to be tough for the boys. Like, look, what do you want me to speak? I can't speak yeah. it yet, but you want me to speak it here. Otherwise, you're mm. going to hit me. Gosh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And in, in the original version, it's even a little bit different. Uh, for one thing, the maggot was added just to have a little bit extra, you know, a little bit extra pepper on there uh, just to uh, make it a little bit more harsh. And then uh, also when Cuthbert is... Uh, first talking, he just says, I'm sorry, Court. But then in the new version, he says, I cry your pardon to kind of make it even a little bit more kind of fanciful and uh, fantasy-esque uh, in that way. So making it a little bit more otherworldly, if you will. Right. So then uh, basically Cuthbert gets up and, uh, you know, tears are shining brightly in his eyes. Uh, Let's see. In the original, it says uh, his lips were pressed together in a bright line of hate. But in the new version, it says lips to get pressed together in a tight line of hate, which honestly makes a little bit more sense. But then uh, this act of contrition, I grieve. I have forgotten the face of my father, whose guns I hope someday to bear. That's right, brat, Court said. You'll consider what you did wrong and sharpen your reflections with hunger. No supper, no breakfast. So definitely sort of a harsh, uh, harsh taskmaster. Uh, Won't do that yeah. again, though. Definitely. That's, that, that's how court teaches, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Got to make mistakes in order to learn. Yeah. And another uh, person uh, that kind of came to mind as I was uh, seeing the way that uh, court teaches was uh, Mad-Eye Moody with his whole uh, constant vigilance thing. Uh, yes, absolutely. And, Exactly. And kind of and also kind of appearance wise too, sort of like squat and very scarred and very like this has been a man of action who's now teaching others sort of in what what I'm kind of assuming is almost like his twilight years. Like he was a strong gunslinger in his day, I bet. Mm -hmm. But clearly he's been through uh, been through the ringer over his life fighting against uh, dark wizards and well. I guess who are the gunslingers even fighting against? I mean, I we'll we're find still out. Figuring yeah. that out. True. Yeah. Definitely. Quote, unquote, bad men. I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bad men, or who, who some uh, who some people call the good man. So we'll see. Good man. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I'm still see. up in the air whether the gunslingers are actually good guys or bad guys. So Indeed. I, I can't wait to find <laughs> out where where you land in the end of this book. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> court punishes him then we see that uh david the hawk manages climbs above the dove and then basically almost tightens his wings together and then just drops straight down and grabs this uh dove and kills it in midair as he kind of flies down uh, directly from yeah. above so super incredible thing to to watch in you know, nature videos oh um, totally peregrine yeah. falcons able to fly at like 200 miles an hour and uh it's really amazing and, and yeah bullet fast they just kind of as they get above their prey they they bring their wings into their side cut down aerodynamics and they're able to uh attack from above exactly so just really cool to see definitely yeah and a couple other we've got some subtractions here which are a little bit rare i would say for the the new version it's stephen king is always uh you know a master of adding new things but he, uh as some uh editors might even say that you know he's not not as great at uh taking things out but we got a few here <laughs> it glided for a moment in the original it said it glided for a moment it's stubby muscular wings but in the new version it just says it's stubby wings but uh and right. then 
let's see, later on, he fancied he could see the blood in the air, but it might have been his imagination. But in the new version, cut out, uh, it might have been his imagination entirely. Which, oh, right. as we're going to see in a little bit, um, I think it says something like, uh, let's see, Roland was an unimaginative boy or something like that. And so having him say something like, he was just my imagination, doesn't really make sense. So it makes sense to... Yeah, kind of uh, have it be a little bit more uh, in have more internal consistency, if you will, just to so altogether saying Roland is very unimaginative. So there you go. So basically, yeah. And then as right as David uh, hits the ground, uh, I guess Cuthbert's job was to let David go. Roland's job was to put the mask back on, which I might say is an even uh, more dangerous task because as soon as uh, uh, Roland goes up to it and he tries to release it, the hawk whirled almost absent-mindedly and ripped skin from Roland's arm in a long dangling gash. Then it went back to its meal. So again, we've got this idea of hawks being something that if you don't respect it very carefully, it can turn on you on a dime. Absolutely. And then, so then Roland gets in trouble for that, but Court acts a little differently to Roland, right? Definitely. Court says, you pissed him off. The hawk does not fear you, boy, and the hawk never will. The hawk is God's gunslinger. Roland barely looked at Court. He was not an imaginative boy. There we go. Uh, And if Court had intended to imply a moral, it was lost on him. He went so far as to believe that it may have been one of the few foolish statements he had ever heard Court make. And there we've got another... uh, minor league change here uh where it says um in the original it said it was lost on him semicolon he was pragmatic enough to believe that it might have been one of the few foolish statements he had ever heard court make so i guess pragmatic uh, there i don't know i mean went so far as to believe pragmatic enough to believe eh, that's a potato potato kind of change in my opinion but uh. there we go basically Court is being a little bit more of a teacher to Roland, whereas he's being much more of a disciplinarian to Cuthbert. Cuthbert, he all he did was let David go a little bit too slow as he was in the middle of talking to Roland, and he gets smacked in the side of the head enough to draw blood and fall over onto the ground. Whereas Roland, he gets physically injured, and then uh, all Court does is give him this flowery metaphor of the hawk being God's gunslinger, uh, and Roland almost expects to get hit, but he doesn't. And yeah, so but it's uh, it's kind of uh, Court is a teacher who plays favorites, clearly, very much and so. Yeah, doesn't like cute birds, so he does one little thing wrong and he gets the fist. But Roland, you get a lesson instead, yeah. Which I mean, to be fair, horrible. Roland did already get his arm gashed by this hawk, so maybe, maybe he already that. has been punished, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah and then right after that uh cuthbert came up behind him and stuck his tongue out at court safely on his blind side roland did not smile but nodded to him basically court uh says all right go in lesson uh this is the end of the lesson points at uh, cuthbert and says remember uh remember your fast tonight and tomorrow morning and then cuthbert uh stiltedly formal now thank you for this instructive day you learn (laughs) 
Court said, but your tongue has a bad habit of lolling from your, from your mouth when your instructor's back, back is turned. Maybe the day will come when it and you will learn their respective places. He struck Court again, this time solid, solidly between the eyes, hard enough so that Roland heard a dull thud, the sound a mallet makes when it, a scullion taps a keg of beer. That is just Ooh, meat yeah. on meat. Yeah, that Funk. is... Funk. Yeah, that is not a good sound. So, Hork fell, uh, Cuthbert fell backward onto the lawn, eyes cloudy and dazed, and then when he they cleared up, he stared burningly at Court. Um, and then, in addition, his usual easy grin, nowhere to be seen. His hate uh, unveiled. So, yeah, definitely. Like, that's a good addition there. Yeah, his usual easy <laughs> grin is nowhere to be seen. So, basically, just we're getting this idea of Cuthbert being sort of a, a smiley, kind of a jokey kind of guy who's being trained to be this cold-blooded killer. And mm -hmm. on the other hand, we've got Roland, who is unimaginative, who is very sort of stern and almost businesslike. And it seems like to Roland, it comes much more naturally. So maybe that is why Court feels the need to smack Cuthbert around a lot more, that he feels like he has, it's a much more like, to use almost like a carpentry analogy, it's a much more kind of a knotty piece of uh, wood that he has to work with a lot more, whereas Roland is a lot more kind of easy to turn in the on the wheel or... I, I don't know anything about carpentry. What is... Yeah, uh, I was like, where, where's this analogy going? Does this work? I don't know, Kev. <laughs> uh, but I completely understand. You get what I mean? What, yeah, what I was thinking... It's, it's, it's yeah, easier, I, I, yeah. Yeah, it, it takes a lot more work for the exactly. tough kids. And the, I mean, there's also, some Roland, who are just right there and, and they're, precisely. they're listening to you the whole time. And yeah, Roland started you, on third base. <laughs> so another thing I was just thinking is, is Roland is a weird... Um, protagonist for me because I, th I feel like Cuthbert is more of like the typical kind of protagonist you know he's 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 he's, uh, he's a little more charismatic and, and Roland is very quiet mm. and he he's um, no well although it says he's unimaginative I think he's thoughtful and he doesn't act without thinking you know like I don't know I, f I feel like in, in many ways Roland's more of like a sidekick a, I don't know if that makes sense. Interesting. Or maybe even just like, <laughs> not not necessarily sidekick, but almost like, say, Psychic, like yeah. the protagonist is like struggling along and uh, trying to find his way. And then all of a sudden uh, get the, gets this uh, almost like a mentor who's this master gunslinger who appears out of nowhere, who can sort of train the protagonist in how to become uh, a better hero, if you will. Yeah, that's almost what I imagine. We could strike that whole thought from the record. I don't know what the heck I was thinking there. No, but I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I like <laughs> it. I, I'm interested. Yeah, um, but yeah. So definitely, we've got sort of basically. Uh, I think Roland the, the point I'm just trying to make is that Roland is just atypical a little bit. Exactly. It's yeah. Not, okay. <laughs> and actually, I wonder if all of the self description that Roland does of himself being unimaginative doesn't really think about his past and things like that. But then in the course of the book, he thinks back to uh, Court and Cuthbert a lot as he's in the desert. He thinks of this nursery rhyme that uh, his mother uh, used to sing to him in the cradle as he's, as he's sort of in the midst of, uh, um, what is it? Dying of thirst as he's about to come across the way station. Like it seems almost as though 
what Roland thinks of himself and what we see in the book is almost Roland beginning to change, kind of. Be- becoming yeah, a little bit right. more introspective, becoming a little bit more thoughtful, if you will. And, and so, maybe he's like a little too hard on himself, too, for yeah. things that have happened in his past. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm terrible, you know, I'm, not, I'm no good at... But really, he is he's, he is very thoughtful. He is very... Um, thinks about the past, but he he doesn't think that he does. I don't know. So so mm, we're saying like this whole that. thing. Like the, 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 um, it, this is like third-person objective or something? Is that mm, right? Close third-person, like, I guess? Where it's like, like so it, just, it's, it's just, just third-person for one character. Third-person third person limited? Is that what it, does that mean? Could be. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Like, I, I've heard I it referred to as close third-person, but okay, could be all, you know, Potato, potato. But you're basically inside of Roland's head. Yeah. A, a separate entity. It's not a first-person narration. Exactly, yeah. You know? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to remember yeah. my high school English class. Yeah. I feel like all those terms are kind of subjective anyway, as long as basically whatever it is, they mean the same thing. Um, hang on. Let me look it up. Third-person. Oh, yeah. Third-person limited. There you go. You were right. There you go. Tells the person uh, where the narrator tells this story from the perspective of a single protagonist, referring to them by name or using a third person pronoun such as they, she, or he. Uh, the narrator can only see inside the mind of the one protagonist. So yeah, because that's true. That- yeah, so far we've not we haven't even seen things from inside of Jake's point of view yet. Even Jake's whole flashback is what he's telling to Roland and what Roland is right. kind of inferring from the what Jake is uh, kind of saying. Yeah. Or I like that style because yeah, you get too. you know um, basic narration of the world and everything that maybe you know Roland wouldn't say specifically, um, but there's a lot of other motivations going on that you're not. Um, understanding because you're only seeing things from one person's point of view which is how we go through life every day very true you know (laughs) and also with limited third person occasionally the narrator can kind of cheat where it'll be like roland didn't realize that blah 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 or things like that that you wouldn't necessarily get from a first person uh point of view yeah 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 but yeah basically I, Point I, of the... Just going forward, I have to think about that because it's like he's lying to us sometimes or, or he, mm. he's not telling the whole truth kind of thing. It's like the truth from his point of view, you know, it's a very exactly. Obi-Wan of him. Exactly. <laughs> a certain point of view. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. So basically, yeah, a uh, couple of other changes in the rest of this section, adding in Cuthbert's last name, uh, where it says, remember it, Cuthbert, uh, last lesson of the day. In the new version, it says, remember it, Cuthbert, all good. So here we go. <laughs> thus far, Cuthbert uh, has been named. Uh, I don't think we know Roland's last name yet, but we got a last name for Cuthbert. they tell us later in this chapter. Later in this section, exactly. And then later on, uh, as Court is dismissing them, he says, uh, if I have to look at your stupid maggot faces any longer, I'll puke my guts. And then... Uh, added we've got and lose a good dinner so just to kind of you know uh, add a little bit more color onto that thing um also to rub it in that you guys aren't eating tonight yeah you guys aren't eating i'm gonna yeah exactly yeah (laughs) i'm gonna have a good dinner but if i look at you anymore i'm gonna lose it so there we go good good dinner Uh, puke it up and i'll eat more because i can do whatever i want exactly is it called maggots maggots again yes why does it look at your stupid (laughs) maggot faces any longer (laughs) 
So, and then another change. Uh, uh, poor as, maggots. Maggots are very important organisms. They really are. They've they've gotten <laughs> such a bad rap as such a, as an insult, but they're very uh, yeah, exactly. important to the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh huh. Everybody's hating on poor arthropods, but they they would take over the the world if uh, there's way more species of insects and other arthropods than mammals. Mammals, we're nothing. That's we're for bigger. sure. Mammals could disappear and bugs would go on as though nothing had changed. Absolutely. I mean, insects. Did I say insects? Yeah, whatever. You get what I mean. You said bugs, but it doesn't matter. Bugs, insects, arthropods. <laughs> I guess insects is the correct term. Arthropods is even further because that includes like crustaceans and stuff too. Exactly. Which is really just bugs in a different place. Uh, I, I did yeah. a, we did a round in trivia on... Um, Somebody wanted marine biology, so I, I, it was a matching of um, all the characters from SpongeBob SquarePants nice. and which phylum or class they belong in, like that species. Right. <laughs> but I had to kind of I had to be a little bit you know uh, creative because um, like there's a couple of mollusks in there, so I couldn't say mollusks because that's both Squidward and. Uh, uh, who's the other mollusk? Gary. Patrick's an echinoderm. Oh, Gary, exactly. Gary's a snail. Yeah. Right. But, okay, one last change. Uh, we've got a little bit more description of Court. Uh, let's see. Court was already walking down the hill in his squat, bow-legged stride, looking powerful and somehow prehistoric. The shaved and grizzled spot at the top of his head glimmered. In the original uh, the version... The spot at the top of his head loomed at a loomed slant at a, hunched. Yeah loomed at a slant hunched so that's a little bit weird i don't even know what that means so the spot at the top of his head loomed at a slant hunched that yeah there's a there's a correct there's a change that i almost feel like is a correction because i i feel like the description is almost kind of talking about kind of his uh his posture but why is it talking about the top of his head it's almost like he's he's being described as like an animal with like a horn yeah exactly on top of his uh his head <laughs> this uh she it's just saying he's old and he's weird more he's or less looming. yeah but i feel i i do like the idea of this uh basically he's got a shaved top at the back of his head and he's this got like sort of squat look so he sort of almost has more of like a monk like aspect as opposed oh, to being a fighter okay. yeah yeah could be a monk. all right if we name for that hairdo uh, Puncher, I want to say. Is that what it is? Good job. That's uh, one of the strangest hairdos in all uh, all history. <laughs> yeah, tonsure. The the part nice. of a monk's or priest's head left uh, bare at the top by shaving it off. Yeah, exactly. Nice. One point for Kevin. Good job. Nice. It's true. I've been uh, something that Nick did not. Exactly. Uh, I guess they wanted to make them look like they had a halo. Is that the whole point? Oh, of it? I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, I'm you, looking you at it. I don't know what a tonsure is. It's true. I'm looking at a picture of it now. And basically, it's, it's almost as though they have hair just along this ring, uh, kind of in the, the front of their head. And they've got kind of bangs going down. So it does kind of look like a low halo. It's just a big circle going all the way yeah. around. It's a very Indeed. strange hairdo. Yeah. But or, monks are oh, also strange. Very true. <laughs> almost like, a, like an inverse yarmulke. Yeah, basically. But you also have nothing down below. Like, there's no 
party in the back. That's true. Yeah, it seems like they shave the the back of their necks too. Yeah, it's yeah, it really is they just shave uh, the bottom, shave uh, the top, just leave a line. Indeed, just the the hair halo, but on like yeah. the eyebrow. Le- I mean, the the forehead level. Very weird, but whatever. Point being, uh, let me see your halo, hair nice. halo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so yeah as we continue the the two boys decide that they're gonna go to hacks who's gonna give them uh some dinner on the sly so we, again okay, we've got yes, a little bit more hacks. yeah we got a little bit of a description of hacks here uh, a man with a crude oil complexion whose ancestry was a quarter black quarter yellow a quarter from the south islands now almost forgotten the world had moved on and a quarter of God's knew what, and in the original it just says God knew what, but we threw in a whole pantheon of uh, deities in the new version. So, huh. God's knew what now. That's a big change, really. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so, I, you know, if you're reading this, then you're like, oh, wait a minute, okay, so there's gods instead of... this. It's, it's just making this, uh, you know, a different culture in general. Which I really uh, like, yeah. Kind of separating it a little bit further from the medieval kind of look that we're assuming, but just to make it a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say fantastic, but fantastic. Uh, yeah. Fantasy-esque, yeah. Well, I was having a hard time with that too because having multiple gods is also an Earth thing. There are plenty of um, religions that have multiple gods. Very, very true. Um, I, but I just think in, in literature in general, you, you see a lot of uh, uh, Christian um, symbology and um, references to, to, to Christian stuff for whatever reason. Is that because, you know, throughout history, that's what got published and there wasn't, you know, I don't know. Hmm. I like that. Well, I mean, also, I feel like it's got to be just sort of the unspoken uh, sort of Anglo-Saxon slash European influence on most of Western literature. Uh, But I feel like, you know, incorporating multiple gods not only kind of gives it this this flair of being exotic, but also, in my mind, it makes it seem a little bit less cliche, I want to say. Okay, that's yeah. cool. That's I, why I, I liked like about uh, I liked about Game of Thrones all, mm. all the, uh, the the seven gods, yeah. They made yeah the seven gods and everything. Yeah, that's cool. And there's but you know Greek and Roman you know history they had numerous Very gods. Uh, uh, Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. I mean Egyptian. Uh, plenty of other ones. Up yeah. There. Um, Hindu. All sorts of are, things. Are polytheistic. That's the word. Polytheistic. There's the word. Oh, as I was reading this, I, I kind of laughed because uh, he goes quarter black, quarter yellow, quarter from the, the, the South Islands. And as I'm reading, I'm like, what? there's got to be four. What's the fourth one? <laughs> and then finally, after a very long description of what the South Islands is, because that's the, how I, I have a problem reading. A quarter God, God's no, knew what. Exactly. exactly. So um, there's our four. <laughs> But I get lost in South Island's now almost forgotten the world's moved on. And right away, my brain forgot about the, the other three quarters and that there's supposed to be another quarter. I'm thinking about what are the South Islands? What I mean, it's mean a long on? sentence. Yeah. What <laughs> happened to the world? And then it was like, oh, and here's the other quarter, by the way. I'm like, ah, finally. There's the last the one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he related well to little boys, but um, 
let's see, uh, not in a sugary way, but in a business-like fashion, which may sometimes entail a hug, the way closing a business deal may call for a handshake. And I, I just love that way that it's sort of like a, in a, I don't know, relating to little kids on their level, but not trying to talk down to them in any way, which I feel like is rare in adults. Uh, he even uh, uh, loved the boys who That's... had begun... Yeah, he even loved the boys. That's what I try to do as a teacher all the time is, you know, exactly speak to kids on their level. You know, just think of them as young adults, really. And they're they're in training and their brains don't work the same as ours because their prefrontal cortexes have not completely developed yet. Very true. That's the reason why. Yeah, that's the reason why we can't remember things from when we're babies. It's not because it was a long time ago. It's because our brains didn't literally didn't have the equipment to remember things or hold on to memories. Uh-huh. But, it's yeah. like we couldn't walk or talk. We couldn't, you know, oh, this is an important event and I need to tuck it away into these memory banks. Exactly. Oh, my memory banks are full of weird crap. Yeah. Tonsure. Tonsure is now Tonsure. there. File it away. I yeah. Know th- I forgot. I didn't know what that word meant. I knew what it is. But I just didn't know the word for it. Mm. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> step on, on the tonsure. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, um, he even loved the boys who had begun the way of the gun, although they were different from other children, undemonstrative and always slightly dangerous. Not in an adult way, but rather as if they were ordinary children with a touch of madness. And Bert was not the first of court students who had fed on the sly. So we got a few changes just in that paragraph alone, where. Uh, in the original, it said he even loved the boys who had begun the training. So changing the training yeah. to the way of the gun, which which okay. I like That's a little what, bit more descriptive. I see the difference yeah. now. Yeah, I was, I was then, just comparing the two. I'm like, wait, I don't see the training. I was trying to find my spot in the new one. Exactly. So it to yeah. the, way, the way of the gun. He, he oh, took out your cool. keyword there. Yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so then, and also it says. Uh, ch- changing from not always demonstrative to undemonstrative, just fewer words, concise, and then changing it to from always slightly dangerous to, no, changing it from and somehow dangerous to always slightly dangerous. So basically going it from, you know, some uh, somehow to always slightly, again, just sort of a, I don't know, sort of a potato so, potato I, change, but... what is. Oh, that's funny. Always yeah. slightly dangerous. That is kind of putting you more on around, guard. I've been around many students who have felt like that. I'm like, that kid could snap at some yeah. point. Are you okay? <laughs> Everything cool? All yeah. right. True. Like little, I'm imagining like puppies or kittens with very sharp teeth and sharp claws who who might bite. Uh, or just like. If you, uh, you know, walking into a bar past like a huge bouncer and you're just looking at that guy and you're like, that guy is always slightly dangerous. <laughs> you know yeah. that that, and, and that guy could be very nice. True. He could be a very cool person to talk to and very kind. I'm sure he is, but he could beat your ass. If oh, totally. <laughs> you know, mm. always slightly dangerous. Slightly. I, I don't think people think that when they look at me. Hmm, no, no. <laughs> nor you Kev. Uh, i think we're like that true. guy is he's safe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we do we do not give off an air of danger whatsoever yeah no we you, are you were the first to get a bike helmet in the family right 
was I? Oh man, I might have been. Well, the nineties they they cared much more about safety than the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, that's when they made them. You know, uh, part of the law. The rest of us were living in the wild west of biking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was lots of injury. I didn't fall too much, but no. I wasn't a fan of riding the bike. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people was... ride bikes out here in Seattle, and I don't oh, understand it because the hills are crazy. I know they've got to have the you know calves and thighs like monsters. Mm-hmm. It is better or, for the environment, though. That is Come definitely on, true. I I feel like I would be more of a walker, public transit kind of person, not necessarily bicycles. Well, that's finally getting better. They're getting a light rail, but still pretty crappy. the The buses are all right, but public transportation in uh, New Jersey, New York, is far superior. Mm, I could see that. This the subway in New York City is unparalleled actually i've never been to to london or uh tokyo you know i'm sure they have incredible subway systems as well anyway indeed what what are we talking about indeed so (laughs) as we're going forward so just one last change in that little segment just changing cuthbert to bert just to make him a little bit more uh more of on a nickname basis Just, just establishing that hacks has this close relationship with the kids which i like um yeah that's good so in any case so cuthbert and roland are going to going to hacks for some food on the sly uh we get a little bit of a description of what's going on in this kitchen um let's see that that uh oh okay at this moment he stood in front of a huge rambling electric stove one of six working appliances left on the whole estate so definitely establishing yeah very important (laughs) that we've got electricity in a medieval setting that is one of the six remaining uh appliances uh left on the state so basically just uh saying that there once was electricity but it's gone now except for these last few things so again with this sort of ancient technology kind of idea so we're we're not quite maybe we're in the far past maybe we're in the far future who knows we'll see yeah that's exactly what I'm like very uh a long time ago in a galaxy far far away kind mm. of thing uh where you're like is this a long time ago or is this in the future is this earth even like what's happening here or is this a um another dimension another True. is dimension? it a parallel earth that evolved along mm. a different uh path based on some decision in the multiverse who knows but yeah so uh. then uh in any case so basically we'll find out out. (laughs) so there are various cookboys scullions and various underlings uh rushing through the foaming humid air there's a washerwoman in a dimly lit pantry alcove who's uh caught up with a rag splashed water around the floor with a mop so there's basically there's just lots and lots of activity going around nearby them as and then uh one of the scullery boys rushed up and says this man he wants you hacks all right so you boys go over to maggie she'll give you some pie then scat so the two of them uh another change here uh ooh, actually another change we've got uh, go over to maggie she'll give you some pie then scat uh addition don't get me in trouble later later they would both remember oh. he'd said that don't get me in trouble they so, added that, right? Yeah, that's an addition there. So definitely adding, g- giving a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing, which kind of makes the the comment have a little extra note of like, huh, why would you say that? So um, <laughs> two boys go to eat some pie. <clears throat> then 
in the original version, Cuthbert said, let's eat it on the stairs. And then the new version, it says, let's eat it under stairs. So imagining yeah. this sort of like a stone staircase with kind of a empty alcove underneath of it that the boys are like running underneath of. So I also like, uh, just to go back, uh, sure. we, we meet another character, Maggie. Maggie. I think they just n- named her. Um, uh, gave them the pie, but gingerly as if they were wild dogs that might bite her. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, definitely kind you of know, establishing it's this whole thing. Slightly dangerous. Always uh, slightly dangerous. Thing. Yeah. Everybody's like <laughs> but, minor yeah. league afraid of these little kids. Yeah. My pit bull is uh, Gary Carter is a very sweet dog, but uh, he could snap. I have a scar on my hand and it's pretty terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't bite. I was breaking up a fight. It was oh, that that makes sense. Yeah, he still got his you know his adrenaline's all up in the all up. So no wonder he's just gonna bite at whatever he sees. Oh, my adrenaline sure was up too. But That's I, for sure. uh, I thought I would rather him bite me than this other dog. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's fine. I can deal with it. But if your dog is you know all of a sudden, that's a, a much more expensive bill than just putting a band aid on my finger and. I should have got stitches, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, anyway. yeah you gotta watch out for those. Always slightly dangerous. Always dogs. slightly dangerous. Yeah, as <laughs> as if they were wild dogs. Yeah. So they so they're eating in this uh, stone under alcove. I almost like in my head, like because we've got this whole multiverse idea in the ether now between various movies and whatnot. I always imagine them being as almost like two parallel time streams like there's one version of Roland and Cuthbert eating underneath the stairs but then on another parallel timeline they're eating it on the stairs but and in either case um what happens happens but just sort of like oh wow yeah I I always kind of imagine them as both being valid and both happening some in some parallel timeline not necessarily as one is the correct version one is the new one is the wrong version or whatever you want to call it but I I like to imagine that yeah exactly I like to imagine that they're both happening simultaneously yeah multiverses are cool I mean sometimes I think about that in regular life I'm like oh "Oh, totally what's alternate reality nick is doing right now is he performing surgery yeah <laughs> alternate reality kevin maybe he's working at a library somewhere who knows yeah but uh oh. so then so then uh fate steps in uh so cuthbert and roland uh both hide and then hacks uh a man from the guard comes up to him and here we've got one of our uh you know editorial changes uh where it's instead of the man let's see the man that they're talking about uh where he's they say let's see the good man the guard was saying in the original version it says in farson but in the new version it just it is as though he it just says farson so in the new version farson is the name of the good man Farson's the name of the good man, right? Exactly, yeah. In the old version, Farson was a town the good man was in. But they... I think right. in later books, Stephen King kind of made this change and then kind of went back, was like, all right, let me just change that yeah. back. Uh, so so I'm, I'm mostly I'm mostly reading the old book. I'm just sitting with the old book. Which is what it. I do, too. The same thing Same okay. thing as Return of the Jedi. I'll just, I'll, I'll watch the original version. I don't necessarily watch the, right. watch the, the Disney Plus but, version. 
But then what I do right before we record is I will put on the, the audio book. I, I'm starting to do this because I think it's a little bit easier because it's, it's faster in the morning yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I'll put the audio book on, but I'm, I'll be reading along to the real version on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, the, did I say the new version? or the Anyway, the... Um, I really the 2003 on version. My phone. Hmm. Okay, the two thousand. Yeah, exactly. Are they going to have a 2023 version? Who even knows? Exactly. Maybe Stephen <laughs> King will go back like George Lucas did and not only change it in the special edition, but change it in the DVD and then change it again in uh, Disney Plus. Ugh. No, no, just leave it. Leave just it be. leave it. <laughs> leave it be. So, but anyway, yeah, I, re- I read along and I try to notice changes, and that's not a change I, w- I noticed hmm. because I kept thinking. That Farson was uh, a place. Mm. That's the guy's name. So. It's true. Yeah, Thank now you it's for the guy's clarifying name. that. No problem. Yeah, like uh, a couple of sentences later on, they say that uh, he is in Taunton. So that's the the new name of the the town is Taunton, in no longer Farson. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, they they go in. They're talk basically uh, as they're talking. They're let, let's see the guard says something about like two weeks there's going to be a shipment from a freight depot there's a big crash of noise that uh Cuthbert and Roland can't really hear or at least Roland can't hear uh and then all of a sudden they uh the phrase just pops out to him poisoned meat poisoned. and so talking for a little bit uh ask not what the good man can do for you but what you can do for him so a little bit of uh yeah. you know Kennedy reference JFK. yeah, yeah. So, uh, another change here, instead of just saying yes, he changes it to yar, so a little bit more pirate speak. Uh, let's see. No, my responsibilities well, to him. they say he came in from the docks or something? Came in from the, where is that? I don't know. Shipment from the freight depot. Sorry. Yeah. I thought it said something about yeah, no worries. ships. But. Hmm. but yeah, so uh soldier ask not so then uh he says uh, i love him just as you do and then an addition in the new ver- in the 2003 version he says would follow him into into the sea if he asked so i would so basically establishing that they're very loyal to whoever this good man is uh man, yeah. yeah so the meat will be marked for short-term storage in the cold rooms but you must be fast there are children in taunton uh no longer farson the cook okay. asked, uh, sadly, uh, but, uh, in the new, in the 2003 version, they took out sadly just, to, I mean, also Stephen King has a, uh, bugaboo against, uh, you know, descriptive adverbs, uh, as you're saying, you know, he asked sadly, cause apparently, uh, in, on writing, he said there was, there was this party game they used to play, uh, I think it was something called like Swifties. Uh, where they would try and come up with um, adverbs that would... Well, basically, here's an example. Uh, I'm the plumber, he said with a flush. Uh, Or (laughs) uh, nice rump, he said cheekily. Uh, Stuff like Uh. that. So... Oh, that's good. Yeah, so... Wordplay, I love it. Wordplay, exactly. So basically, he's trying to this cross like a off very his nerdy menus. party, though. Yes, indeed. Yes, this is a party <laughs> among authors. Yeah. 
it's like you know J.R. Tolkien hanging out with C.S. Lewis kind of party. You're like, okay, exactly. Let's talk with the greatest adverbs of the day, sir. Smoking from yes. their gigantic pipes. Yes, drinking a cognac <laughs> or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, yeah. so. But you probably learned something at that party and be like, these people are very interesting. I wish I was this smart. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm, I mean, probably going back to our whole moral alignment thing, how you're a little bit more towards the good side than I am, where I'm more like, oh, these people are making me incredibly self-conscious. The fact that I'm not very smart. But, you know, <laughs> it just goes down, goes back to our, you know, our internal uh, motivations, I guess. <laughs> It was just slightly more good, yeah. Yeah. But still just neutral. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, but it's so, always interesting, kind of the, the, that's why I love that chart, that it has, you know, both good and evil and chaotic and lawful. So there's, it's it's all just a spectrum that you could be in two-dimensional space, yeah. <laughs> but in any case, uh, these two guys are talking about poisoning an entire town. So yes, oh gosh, so children everywhere. The guards children everywhere. gently. It's the children we and he care about. Poison meat, such a strange way to care for children. Hax uttered a heavy whistling sigh. Will they curdle and hold their bellies and cry for their mamas? I suppose they will. It will be like going to sleep, the guard said, but his voice was too confidently reasonable. Yeah, just barefaced. Hack said and laughed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, like of course. He said sarcastically, like exactly. I mean, <laughs> mm. You said it yourself, soldier. Ask not. Do you enjoy seeing children under the rule of the gun? Then when, uh, sorry, under the rule of the gun, when they could be under his hands, who makes the lion lie down with the lamb? So there's another there's another change here in the that's the the original version in the 2003 version. It said um, uh, when they could be under his hands, ready to start making a new world. So Mm. we've changed where sort of we took out uh, a line of the sort of uh, religious uh, iconography here and changing it to almost more of a revolutionary aspect. Yeah, I like that. That's a good change. Yeah, I agree. That's what I was about to say with the line lays down. I was like, oh, there's another kind of biblical reference yeah making a new world it's just a little bit more vague and I, yeah you know otherworldly i think is that what you said yeah yeah uh, otherworldly revolutionary like a little bit more of a political aspect than a religious aspect mm-hmm. totally so yeah. but at the same time so these guys are murdering <laughs> yeah family. basically their, yeah I, so I, for a second there because there was like the the you know pots fell and they only overheard poison meat i'm like are they making a good enough accusation here um but then this little back and forth between them makes it pretty clear of what they're gonna do and that they want to kill these uh rich families you know it's kind of like the the french the french revolution kind of thing or exactly yeah the 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 bolsheviks kind of precisely yeah so I mean, again, we both of those revolution. Well, I mean, I don't know about the Bolsheviks in the course of time, but I mean, definitely French Revolution. It, it, history has made it seem as though that revolution was kind of a good idea that, you know, the aristocrats were kind of bleeding the country dry. So France sort of needed this uh, democratic revolution. Um, so again, we're not quite sure if the gunslingers are the good guys or the bad guys. Like clearly the, 
there seems to be this uh, revolt of the the underclass, if you will, against the upper class. Uh, yeah. So, you know, who knows? So we'll see. They're, they're the only ones with electricity and guns. Very true. So. Yeah, everybody else seems to be uh, in this sort of uh, peasant or surf uh, life cell. And then basically uh, the guard is like, I'm going on duty 20 minutes. Give me a joint of mutton and I'll pinch one of your girls. So basically they're establishing an alibi, more or less, like why this guy was here. He's going to take some meat. He's going to establish a witness who's going to show that he took some meat and then they're going to leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I read that so differently. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> well, I, th- I thought it meant like that was like. <laughs> well, that makes much more sense, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I was reading. It, I was like, "Give me a joint of mutton, and I will pinch one of your girls and make her giggle." Like, if you give me this mutton, then I will perform this service of. <laughs> like, I was like, "What? What is this?" That doesn't mean? make any sense. <laughs> it's like uh, he gets both meat and he get, he is objectifying this poor woman. What? It's happening. I don't see how this is a deal for Hex, but he's making up a story. I get it. Exactly. Like, like, oh, I'll, I'll just be the guard. Like, eh, I'll steal some mutton. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, True. You uh, give me a joint of mutton, and then I'll pinch her butt. It's a win-win for me. <laughs> Hex is like, all right. I mean, I'm... <laughs> that transaction makes no sense on my side, but sure, have some meat. I guess. Yeah, what do I get out of this? I lose the mutton, and now this girl is angry at me. Sexual harassment. And you're telling charges. me to poison this entire town. What the hell? Yeah, what is he getting? And, well, we'll see. He does, definitely gets nothing out of this. Yeah. As we get to the end of this chapter. Exactly. Um, and actually, that's that's something else that I want to mention, is that uh, we even learned the guard's name here. His name is Robeson. So... Um, basically right yeah. at that point the guard and Hax kind of walk away and Roland and Cuthbert are then just kind of looking at each other with just this shock in their eyes yeah. and like Roland is completely shocked he's like Hax who put a poultice on my leg that time and then then his mind snapped closed cutting, cutting the subject off and so he's immediately turned him from friend to foe in just this one interaction. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, what right. he saw, even in Cuthbert's humorous, intelligent face, was nothing. Nothing at all. Cuthbert's eyes were flat with Hax's doom. Um, again, another couple of changes at this point. Uh, he had fed them and they had gone under stairs, as opposed to they had gone on the stairs. Uh, and guard named right. Robeson to the wrong corner for their treasonous little tete-a-tete. And then an addition here, Ka had worked as some Ka sometimes did, as suddenly right. as a big stone rolling down a hillside. And again, another subtraction here. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to follow you, Kevin. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. So anyway, this is like... Quickly. I know, I'm uh, trying so to... This is in, in, the, in the directly after... Um, uh, when Roland looks at Cuthbert, this is where these changes are. Oh, I see it. Now. Exactly. See it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the word tete a tete yeah. faster than I could read. Tete a tete is a good. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, I was looking for Ka, but I realized I just had to scroll down further to see where it was. Oh yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, Ka is like it seems the main deity or something in this, or is it a I don't know a living mortal being. Um, what do you think? Cuthbert's eyes. Uh, 
it, it seems like it's it's an old kind of uh, like religious thing. Like Ka works as cut like not necessarily religion, but like a, a legend or something, hmm. or you know something that's been passed down for it to become sort of a um, uh, what's the word um, uh, like a colloquialism in in their society to like to say this phrase. Always, it must be something that is old. It's whoever Ka, mm. ah, Ka works as Ka does. You know, it's like this is just their their saying. You know, like God works in mysterious ways. You know, I like that. So it just seems like it's it's an old um, legend of sorts. Mm. You know? True. We don't have any more information about that yet, but we will later. So I won't say anything. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so definitely kind of keep that in the back of your mind, that sort of cause this, like, exactly as you're saying, this sort of unspoken kind of sort of a force, I guess, that everyone sort of, like, like you say, in colloquialisms, that just sort of like, eh, cause what it is. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So uh, a subtraction we've got here is that, uh, let's see, in Cuthbert's eyes, Roland saw that hacks would die for his treason as a venom as a viper dies in a pit so definitely a little bit more vision uh visualization there that they subtra- uh changed in for the car like as a big stone rolling down a hillside so interesting that it's gone from this sort uh, of yeah. like yeah instead of snakes in a pit it's gone from a stone rolling down a hillside almost as though it's a a force as uh irrevocable as gravity rather than just being two animals fighting against each other mm-hmm. I so see. yeah okay wow that, there's that's a big addition that, that's like a paragraph they added yeah there. that whole car thing that, yeah yeah that's why i kind of got lost a little bit um, exactly yeah uh, yeah, and they then, added in in the very end. Um, huh. So, so in the original, I oh, know it says tete. I see. All right, I, hmm. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. No worries. Uh, but in, Cuth- in Cuthbert's eyes, yeah. So the viper dying in the pit, nothing else, nothing at all. And then he just says they were gunslingers' eyes in the original, and then in the new one it says Cuthbert's eyes were gunslingers' eyes. So they they just to, to, to clarify. Because when I was reading the original, I thought it was talking about Roland's eyes. Mm. Which I, I agree. That's Cuthbert's Yeah, that's a good change. Yeah, making it a little bit clearer for the reader. Yeah. Because I feel I, I sometimes get lost in too many pronouns in a row, too. Like, even if someone's t- telling me, like, a story or something, I'll be like, who is this? So, yeah. <laughs> good to get uh, proper nouns back there. But yeah. now we finally right, so, meet Roland's father. Yeah. Roland's father. This is now section 10 in the new. Mm-hmm. And we're just the next paragraph in the old one. <laughs> Indeed. We're still in section 2 in the old one. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, God. Exhausting. Um, but yes, another so, happy change. Yeah, go ahead. So I'll, I'll just read the original here. Uh, Roland's father was only just back from the uplands and he looked out of place amid the drapes and the chiffon fripperies of the main receiving hall that the boy had only lately been granted access to as a sign of his apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. His father was dressed in black jeans and a blue work shirt. His cloak dusty and streaked, torn to the lining in one place and was slung carelessly over his shoulder with no regard for the way it and he clashed with the elegance of the room. Um, do you want me to keep reading that whole thing? No, that's good. He was, yeah. Well, well I was I just going to, there were some changes. Oh, you're <laughs> right. You're right. Oh, the, so a couple of changes here. We've got, uh, this one is ugh, 
one of my biggest pet peeves that grammar people say is uh, to which, as opposed to the hall, the boy had been granted access to. So that's just a, what is that called? Like a, a dangling modifier or something? Dangling something or other? Oh, uh, I see. Uh, but Participle? Yeah, dangling participle. That's what it is. But ugh, come on. Nobody says to which he has been granted access. That's... Ugh. Yeah. But, it sounds uh, like something. Uh, sounds like something our dad would quibble over. Exactly. Yeah. The, Up with which I shall not put. Yeah. <laughs> to, to whom? To whom it is? <laughs> like, <what>? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Say it correctly. You and I. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. But anyway. Um, so here we've got. Uh, so uh, the first mention of Roland's last name. So instead of it just being That's his father funny. was dressed in black jeans and a blue work shirt, Stephen Deshane. So we've got uh, which uh, in the uh, in the audio he pronounces Deschain. Deschain. Oh, I was uh, I, uh, I never put the accent that way. I always say just Deschain. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, as we know, people pronounce things differently. Precisely. Yeah, Both of us are good. going. We're we're going with the opposite pronunciations of Cuthbert and Cuthbert. But you know, everybody yes. has their own way. You know, why why not just uh, <laughs> let everybody be what they are. I'm trying to say it like you, thing. so that so that we can be uh, consistent. But no, I, no I need, no need. <laughs> once in a while, you could be but, Cuthbert. I'll be yeah. Cuthbert. So yeah, Cuthbert, all good, and Roland Deschain or mm. Deschain. It's like of the chain. Is mm. that kind of? Um, I kind of like that actually. Kind of establishing that he's from like a, a long, unbroken line of gunslingers. Yeah, Roland of the chain. Ooh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Or of the chain, like he's chaining up prisoners and stuff true both ways yeah stephen king loves wordplay i like both of them yeah and his father's name is stephen too so true yeah stephen is the father of roland exactly the same way that uh (laughs) you know like uh indiana jones in the last crusade uh uh james bond is the father of indiana jones (laughs) (laughs) wow the way does stephen king have a son named roland uh, no, he has oh, his son's sa- name. You're is... saying he's the father of the the book, the character. I got in you. a better way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's the figurative father. Figurative, yes. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> King's sons are named Joe and Owen, I think. Oh, good job, indeed. Both um, of whom are uh, authors, actually. Owen King and Joe Hill. Yeah, didn't one of them do uh, a series? Um, what the hell is it called? Skeleton Key or something? Mm. I think he's done a bunch of things, but uh, as far as like TV stuff, but it might have been something he wrote first. I'm, I am ill-prepared to talk about this because I don't know. But I, I feel like did something on Netflix, some sort of show or miniseries. I know what you're talking about. Hang on. Uh, it is Lock and Key lock and key that's it yeah some sort of a key involved <laughs> oh wow there's a lot more owen hill uh uh joe hill things that i know of that i did not realize they were him uh there's a show called uh nos for a2 where it's n-o-s oh. number four a t the number two uh like a modern vampire thing and also horns the one with uh what's his name um daniel radcliffe where he's got a couple of horns on uh oh. lock and key uh yeah he's done a bunch of stuff did not realize but yeah um 
made quite a name of uh, of his own. But, but both literally, but, but it's hilarious. Like, uh, you know, uh, I saw this meme online of uh, Joe Hill being like, I want my I want to change my last name. So I nobody will think of Stephen King when they look at me. And then there's a picture of Joe Hill and he looks exactly like 80s Stephen King with the beard and the glasses <laughs> and all. Yeah, <laughs> you're fooling no one. sir. You are fooling no Genetics. one. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that happens a lot with celebrities where they, they uh, mm. you know, I don't know. Nicholas Cage um, instead of Nicholas Coppola. Yeah, yeah. That's a good example. Um, what's it? Anderson Cooper, um, isn't his mother... Yeah, a somebody? Vanderbilt, I think. Yeah, I think he's a Vanderbilt, so I think he changed his name to... Cooper. Gloria Vanderbilt is his mom? Something like that. Could be. Um... Anyway... Indeed. Point being, Stephen Name. King. So Stephen, Stephen, Stephen Deschain. So we've established that, like, the way that the gunslinger has been portrayed thus far of Roland, kind of this sort of a rough and sand uh, beaten kind of man with his guns is kind of the same way that his father was as well, where he seems right. out of place in this medieval lords and ladies kind of environment where his clothes are kind of torn. He's uh let's see he's got a handlebar mustache there guns yeah, crisscrossed handlebar mustache, handlebar mustache. <laughs> uh guns crisscrossed the same way that roland is going to wear them eventually the worn sandalwood grips showing that they're the same guns that roland has been carrying thus far this entire book uh so he and, he is a um basically a clone of his father he's he's probably mm. lived to well or just maybe a gunslinger in general but he Kind of, yeah, just as this happens a lot in, you know, societies. It, True, you know, when fathers and happens. sons, yeah, when they have the same profession, they're going to emulate their fathers in a lot of other ways as well. Right. Roland I mean, has said, Stephen King's, both of the kids are writers, so. Very true. <laughs> and they, but, uh, yeah, so. Um, as far as we know, Roland it, does not have a handlebar mustache, but. <laughs> Definitely tall. Uh, I think in the first uh, chapter it said that Roland is actually taller and thinner than his father was. Uh, now wait. Or if his father is desperately thin, dear God, how thin must Roland be? <laughs> well, Roland has been walking through the desert for very long. He's probably very true. extreme. I'm, he's gaunt, I'm assuming. Yeah. The way he took down those three burgers. Very true. He's a man who's looking for protein wherever he can get it. But uh, let's see. So the boys, to uh, Roland told his father, we have to assume uh, Cuthbert also told his father. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, his uh, Roland's father says, Cuthbert was with you. He will have told his father by now. So there we go. Um, and then his father says, it preys on you. Uh, and then Roland says, like the hawk, it preys on you. So a little bit of wordplay there. Uh, the startling appropriateness of the image rather than any lightness of the situation. So, yeah. And then, basically, his father is kind of talking to him about it, and he's like, and Cuthbert, does it prey on him, do you think? I don't know. Then, a change here in the new version, it says, nor did he care. In the old version, it said, uh... Uh, I don't know. In the old version, it just says, it says, such an avenue of comparison did not really interest him. In the new version, it just says, nor did he care. So, definitely <laughs> concise. Making... Just cleaning yeah. cleaning up things, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just sort of establishing the way that Roland would have phrased it. Uh, he didn't care. <laughs> uh, 
he wasn't concerned with how his feelings compared with others uh let's see uh in the new version it says it preys on you because you've caused a man's death old version it says it preys on you because you feel you've killed so i feel like that's an important distinction caused a man's death versus having literally killed so i feel like what are what are your colors that you're going with again when you're making these changes uh orange that's a that's a change go ahead yeah, orange is some is a change that is either a different word or changing the meaning of the word, whereas uh, blue is just a grammar change. So blue would be that like to whom that exactly for or even the the one that just happened right that was. Yeah, um, nor would nor did he care. I would say as a blue change where it's just tightening yeah. up the the phrasing, but yeah, right. caused a man's death so, versus killed is a very orange change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's more, um, you know, causing a man's death is not as direct as killing. Exactly. You know? Yeah, there's 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 stages in between. Yeah, you're a middleman of death. Yeah, you're you're the uh, you're the mob boss uh, ordering the hit. Mm. <laughs> you're the the witness who is sending the man to the electric chair. Mm-hmm. In a in a literal way, almost. But uh, yeah, so. At this point, Roland's father is kind of talking to him, kind of trying to get what his thoughts are. Like, how do you feel about this? And so Roland is kind of like, he he almost doesn't want to talk about it. He shrugged unwillingly, all at once not content with the probing of his motivations. Yet you told, why? The the boy's eyes widened. How could I not? Treason was, his father waved a hand curtly. Uh, if you did it for something as cheap as a school book idea, you did it unworthily. I would rather see all of Taunton poisoned. I didn't. I wanted to kill him. Both of them. Liars. Black liars. Snakes. So, definitely. Well, A, we changed uh, farce into Taunton. And B, added in the word black liars. So, just adding a little bit more of like, a, this is wrong. This is different. This is bad. This is, these are yeah. snakes and blah, blah, blah. So, well, it's his father making him realize, you know, the, the the importance of what he's saying right now, the, the gravity of the situation. Exactly. You, know, you have, like, yeah, you have caused a man to be killed, but why have you done this? Sort of. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not only is the court's literal instruction at the beginning, but this is also his father training him in his own way of just sort of the motivations of what it is to be a gunslinger. Yeah, we see the two different training... Uh, uh, styles here. This is exactly more of the Socratic uh, method. Coming. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you questions and try to get you to to get to the right answer, rather than beating the crap out of you and, <laughs> yeah. and not feeding you and making it punitive because uh, that never works. <laughs> very true. Yeah. So there you go. The two very different uh, teaching styles. So let's see. In the old version, we've uh, got they hurt me. He finished defiant. They ch- uh, actually. Uh, they did, did something, something to me, something. changed something. I wanted to kill them for it. And then in the new version, it says they changed something and it hurt. I wanted to kill them for it. And then added in, I wanted to kill them right there. Mm. So father nodded that it, uh, in the old version, it says, uh, that is worthy, not moral, but it's not your place to be moral. In fact, he appeared at his son, morals may always be beyond you. You're not quick like Cuthbert or Wheeler's boy. It will make you formidable. And then in the new version, we've changed it to that's crude, Roland, but not worthy, but not unworthy. 
uh, not moral either, but it's not your place to be moral. In fact, morals may always be beyond you. You're not quick like Cuthbert or Vanet's boy. Uh, it's all right, though. Oh. It will make you formidable. So, A, we've changed. Yeah, we've added in crude, but uh, not unworthy. And then changed from Wheeler's boy to Vanet's boy. Uh, yeah, that's a big uh, statement right there. Just talking about the whole morality of, of what he does and who a gunslinger is and how you're dealing out justice and um yeah uh being the change from crude to that is worthy and that's crude but not unworthy um Mm. i think that's that's an orange change you would say like sort of changes the the meaning of of what he's saying right there it just adds to it um really um so we find out also yeah cuthbert or wheeler's boy so there's there was another kid there at the uh, the hawk flying, whoever Wheeler's boy is, right? I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't think he was literally there in the scene, but maybe he's just someone else in the castle. I don't know. Right. Oh, sorry, Vanet's boy. Vanet's boy. Going with... It's true. We just uh, <laughs> we've changed it. Yeah. So, but Vanet would be another gunslinger, right? He's another kid that's training. Is that what you I said? I think so. I think. Um, I don't know if we've gotten to it yet, but at some point, um, Vanet is going to be another one of their, their tutors who's, uh, more in charge oh, okay. of like, you know, arts and, uh, knowledge, whereas, uh, Court is just in- involved with, you know, uh, teaching you how to be a guns- gunslinger specifically. Right. So, uh, so Court is more of, uh, Mad-Eye Moody and Vanet would be more like Snape. <laughs> Uh, Snape, know, either Snape or maybe uh, Lupin. <laughs> yeah, could be Lupin. Could be. I I want to go. You know, just straight Wait, to the books, and we've got the uh, uh, what's Professor his Bins? name, <laughs> Professor Bins. Exactly, history. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, that makes more sense then. Uh, yeah. I hope he's not a ghost who falls asleep then. Oh, uh, why wasn't that character in the movies? Professor Binns was great. I mean, when you even when you personified the entire description of the character that this character is boring, it's hard to make a case for it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can make boring funny. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah, I was kind uh, of glad that they had that whole uh, in uh, the second movie having uh, McGonagall tell them about the Chamber of Secrets as opposed to this boring ghost who completely doesn't believe in it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I guess that is a little more wheat. Yeah, I think that was tightens it up for a movie. It tightens it up exactly, and I think that was the only time Professor Binns actually had anything to do with the plot whatsoever. Yeah, uh, there was times they they had a lot of discussions in Professor Binns's class because he wasn't paying attention to them. Right. (laughs) So there was a lot of. uh, I can't wait till we get to Harry Potter. That's going to be a good one too. Mm. (laughs) That one I know a lot about. Very true. Me too. have to um, so put anyway. in the have to put in the disclaimer that obviously against uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, anti-trans stance whatsoever. But you know the books well, sometimes yeah. the 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 work has to exist independent of the author. Is my point of view exactly uh, the, the separate the art and the artist. I separate the art from the artist exactly. Yeah. But in any case, talk about Stephen King. So here we go. Uh, and another change here, we've got the Elder Deshane. In the original version, it says Roland the Elder threw his head back and laughed. So originally, Roland's father was named Roland, but in uh, later books, the uh, Roland's father's name is Stephen. So 
okay, wow. Yeah, so they tightened up that bit of uh, retconning as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a big change. Hmm. The Elder Deshane. Oh, yeah. So let's uh, see. Um, it was, his father peered at him steadily, and the boy looked back, although it was more difficult than hooding the heck hooding the hawk had been that's a, a great little statement there it's like oh just looking back at his dad i'd rather be scratched by that hawk again this is tough exactly <laughs> yeah a couple of minor subtractions we've got uh the boy impatient before this felt both pleased and troubled and then in the new version it just says the boy felt po- both pleased and troubled so uh, in in the new version he's not quite as impatient with what his father is saying so a little bit more charitable to uh roland here uh and then uh so a little bit of a addition here instead of it just being he will and then his father just says hang and then Roland, not, the boy nodded. Uh, so in the new version, it says, he'll, oh, he'll hang. The boy nodded. I want to see it. So, and then a new version, uh, and, uh, subtraction here. We've got an arm shot out like a bolt of lightning and grabbed the boy's upper arm painfully. And then new version, it just says, the, an arm shot out and grabbed his arm painfully. Uh, so just a little bit of tightening it up. No. Yeah. Yeah. So then another one, uh, all right, he said, the May, and turned abruptly to go. And then in the new version, in the old version, it just says, all right, he said, and turned abruptly to go. So adding a couple of more of these and vows in there to make it seem a little bit more old timey. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. So. Hmm. The May, yeah. The May, thy, thine. <laughs> thou'st. But yes. So, and then. Roland asking well, him because they they also is that him speaking the high speech right there and they don't actually say it. I don't know. I feel like they always kind they of indicate, just, yeah. Like he just throws in a little high speech there just to be like, okay, now we're official again. Yeah, you may go back to sleep. Yeah. You're speaking as squire. yeah, you're speaking I'm as a boy to, to his lord, not necessarily from father to son. Yeah. So. Basically, at this point, yeah, they they talk a little bit more about uh, who the good man is. Uh, sort of Roland asking, who is this guy? Then father is just like, yes, I, I know who he is. Uh, so Roland asks, if you caught him in his thoughtful, near-plotting way, no one else like Cook would have to, have to be neck-popped? His father smiled thinly. Uh... So in the new version, they took out that little bit of stammering where have to have to be, so making Roland a little bit more concise with his words. And then, okay. yeah, so then, uh, let's see, he says, no one else, uh, but in the end, someone always has to have his neck popped, as you so quaintly put it. The people demand it. Sooner or later, if there isn't a turncoat, the people make one. So kind of establishing that depending on your point of view either the good man is the turncoat or from the people who believe in the good man the gunslingers themselves are the ones who are the traitors to the common people so the way of the gun is this oppressive the society that they live in yeah so he's making him realize that there is some uh moral dichotomy going on and like moral subjectivity yeah subjectivity really is a better word to say it like what is black and white is there a black and white depending mm. on the point of view yep. exactly the, yeah 
Don't know who the good guy is yet, Kev. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe there we'll is see. one. <laughs> so, but I, I like, I like, I don't like that they changed it from. I, I liked his stammering where he goes, "No one else like Cook would have to have to be neck neck popped." Like it just. It sounds more like point, a little boy, yeah. Yeah, but or maybe they're saying in the new one that like after speaking to his father, he's now firm in his decision. And he said, "Yeah, no one else will have to be neck pop, right?" Or mm. I don't know. Yeah, I think I agree with you that I I kind of prefer it in the original version, but it it does seem like it's over glorifying Roland to be you know he's perfect. He would never stammer, but in this way, yeah. But I, I feel like it's a little bit more humanizing to have him kind of stumble with his words as he's talking to his very intimidating father who still has his guns on, who has this sort of deep stare as he's looking to his little his little son. Um, so his fa- so then Roland is like, but why wouldn't that? Why wouldn't that end it? Uh, so another change here where he says uh, in the old version, it just says, if you got him, new version it says, if you got the good man, uh, no, his father said flatly. Why? In the original, and then in the new version, it says, why not? Why wouldn't that end it? Just sort of uh, kind of elaborating okay. a little bit more. Uh, yeah. And then his father seemed on the verge of saying why, but then he just says, we've talked enough for now, I think. Go out for me. Uh, so, and then... And then uh, asked enough questions, young one. Exactly. Just think about it on your own. I'm going to go have sex with your mom. <laughs> yeah doesn't say so, it literally but uh let's see they're cr- trying to create somebody for the people to hate and maybe you know that guard talking to hacks it was all like a, a plant from the gunslingers i don't know Ooh, you think so it seems like he, he, that's what he just said there that if, if there isn't a turncoat then the people will demand one and we'll have to create a turncoat right Oh, interesting. I always thought of it as more as the people will create the term turncoat, not necessarily that the gunslingers will create one. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought it was trying to, I don't know. Like a... I mean, that is more fuel for your gunslingers of the bad guy fire, though. I uh, I feel like you could take <laughs> it that way. Yeah, I don't trust these gunslingers. I think that they're, uh, they've got it pretty good. They've got the electricity. They've, they've got the nice houses and people waiting on them so um they want to keep it like it is and and make it seem like that there's these i don't know i I don't know how many supporters the good man has so i think that's the other real question and and we're going to see that in a second as we get to the the hanging here um how many like how many supporters does hacks have and how many supporters does the, the good man have in the crowd how many people are actually with the gunslingers and they're you know ruling with the gun and stuff i don't know it's true yeah going back to my french revolution analogy before we've got this upper class of gunslingers and people living in this castle women playing points in the hall and then the lower class that we haven't really seen like what are what's life like for that for those people that they have to support these gunslingers and their you know high um high cost lifestyle and whatnot so the money's got to be money and resources have to be coming from somewhere so Mm-hmm. where are these uh, fine chiffon fripperies coming from that I'm sure <laughs> there's got to be some sort of a, 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 a supply chain of uh, weavers and whatnot who are supporting this gunslinger lifestyle. Exactly. And uh, they are many more than just the few gunslingers. So exactly. Easily, the 99 uh, and the 1%. Revolt. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 
All right. Uh, I'm very interested to see if this whole maybe the gunslingers are the bad guy theory is going to uh, pan out. Because <laughs> I've never looked at it from that uh, from that uh, that eye before. Uh, so uh, I, I kind of want to see if the if it turns out that way. We'll see. But in any case, uh, uh, so another addition here. Let's see. He became sensitive to he was sensitive to his father's moods. Added in, he put his fist to his forehead, crossed one foot in front of the other and bowed. So we know that they don't just do the simple bow at the waist, but they do this whole fist and one leg out thing. Uh, so, Which is just as valid as a bow or a curtsy or any other thing that people do, because it's just whatever uh, society and culture you grew up with that makes it normal. Exactly. Shaking hands is weird in some religions, and you know, so like... Yeah, <laughs> what is it? cross your like, put your hand on your forehead. Your, yeah, cool. put your fist on your forehead, and then put one leg out going forward. So it almost uh, as you're like leaning forward. So it's almost like you're kind of. Uh, it's like an okay. Yeah, a little bit, or <laughs> okay. maybe sort of like a like an R that like lean is leaning forward in some way. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Next time I see you, guys, I'm gonna greet you. I'm just gonna. Do the weird <laughs> bow and leg out. Kyle Gunslinger, well met. Uh, but yes. So let's see. So then... Oh, no, no, got... it says crossed, crossed one foot in front of the other. It's not sticking it out. So it's like yeah, but how would you... Crossing it at the same, you know, they're, they're at the same, you know, toes, but it's just crossing one leg over the other. In front of bowing. the other. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I always assumed it was like fully out... But yeah, maybe it is just, you know, one foot directly in front of the other. That, but I feel like that's inclined to make you fall over, though. You don't have like a, a support leg. Hmm. What you described looked like the, the Ministry of Silly Walks or... Which, <laughs> you know, like. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm never going to say no to a Monty Python reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, let's see. So then after this added, uh, you know... Uh, bowing thing we've got then he went out closing the door quickly uh, he suspected that his what that what his father now wanted was to fuck uh, he was aware that his mother and father did that and was reasonably well informed as to how it was done uh, and then in the old version it said the old version it said he was aware yeah. that his mother and father did that yeah he suspected that, that his father did. wanted to fuck so again yeah. so this time they actually added more words in there that i kind of preferred the older version um huh. he was aware that his mother and father did that that thing together and he was re- relatively aware, well informed of as to what the act was uh so again kind of just sort of like potato potato kind of change to me where it's just sort of changing uh, a grammatical change these are all blue changes um, right and again and again removing a little bit of a internal stammer here of the gunslinger so making him much more purposeful in his words even within his own mind some years later susan would tell him the story of oedipus and he would absorb it in quiet thoughtfulness thinking of the odd and bloody triangle formed by his father his mother and by martin known in some quarters as the good man, or perhaps it was a quadrangle, if one wished to add himself. Good night, father. Oh, sorry. Good night, father. That's probably how he would say it. (laughs) (laughs) Roland said, good night, son. His father said absently, and began unbuttoning his shirt. In his mind, the boy was already gone. 
like father like son so that was the original version and in the new mm-hmm. version um there's a couple well, yeah. first the first change is that instead of martin it says uh farson um mm-hmm. and they cut out the whole last part there well no 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 uh it, he does say uh and by martin known in some quarters as farson comma the good man oh, so okay. it yeah. does still say uh martin in both versions but yeah, it does cut off the whole good night, good night, like father, like son thing. So. Yeah, and I was just saying that I think that um, when I read it, what I was, uh, I, I liked the original version because to, to me it was uh, Stephen realizing that the boy and his son was gone, that his innocence was gone, that he is um, now because he has sent a man off to his death, uh, he's become more of a man. Um, mm. Like father, like son, like th- this had happened in Stephen's past at some point to make him a man as well. Like father, like son. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I took it more literally where in his mind, uh, as far as Roland's father is concerned, the boy had already left the room. So in in that way that people extraneous to whatever his focus is aren't even in his uh in his periphery that the boy's already gone he already left so mm, taking a little bit more functionally if you will <laughs> <laughs> i i read into it a little bit more than i i usually do that's just kind of <laughs> what i do sometimes yeah i don't hey, I, no yeah, I guess it could just be yeah. him leaving the room or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, uh, this is this is why we got two people about it. You know, we're seeing things two different ways. Exactly. We are going to exactly. That's what Chapter Brothers is all about. Just trying yes. to maybe uh, look a little bit further into things than a person normally would on when they're just reading it for for pleasure or just to to find out what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, in, definitely. In investigation uh, is implied in our mandate, right? Exactly. I love it. <laughs> All right, so, so section eleven, section eleven, Gallows Hill was on the Taunton Road, which was this is now me reading the new one, um, mm. or should I stick to reading? I'm just going to read the old ones. That's that's that'll be yeah, my how thing. About, yeah, maybe that'll be our new thing where you read the old one, I'll read the new one, just so right. it's not as much of a in the new version it was this, but the old version it was this. So yeah, right. let's yeah go so ahead. Whenever yeah, whenever we, we actually read a passage rather than just kind of skimming through and telling us stuff. Okay, anyway, so section eleven. Um, which in the old version is just the next chapter. Um, Mm. Gallows Hill was on the Farson Road, which was nicely poetic. Cuthbert might have appreciated this, but Roland did not. He did appreciate the splendidly ominous scaffold which climbed into the brilliantly blue sky, a black and angular silhouette which overhung the the coach road. The two boys had been let out of morning exercises. Cord had read the notes from their fathers laboriously, lips moving, nodding here and there. When he finished with them both, he had looked up at the blue-violet dawn sky and had nodded again. So a couple Um, of changes in there. Obviously changing Farson to the Taunton Road. Uh, We took out, uh, let's see, the scaffold climbed into the brilliantly blue sky, a... Uh, just an angular silhouette which overhung the coach road taken out black and angular and um, when he finished with them he had rather than uh, when he finished with them both he had so a couple of just sort of little like you know crossing off this words unnecessary black unnecessary both unnecessary but then we've added in when he finished with them he carefully put his papers in his pocket even here in gilead uh paper was as valuable as gold 
with the, when these two sheets were of it were safe, he looked up at the blue violent dawn sky. So establishing that paper is a valuable resource that is very rare. So oh. indeed. So oh. we don't have uh yeah. It's so just funny how we don't know thing. what time we're in yet, you know? Exactly. <laughs> paper is really yeah. valuable. There's not there is electricity and guns, but there's not much electricity. And it's sort of like yeah. a castle. So so yeah, and, so and there's I hangings. Guess <laughs> there are hangings. Yep, they got, we've got a gallows. So yeah, let's see. So the yeah, so definitely kind of. But the, I I feel like that comes down to like the whole uh, genre stew that I was talking about earlier, where it's a little bit medieval, it's a little bit sci-fi, it's a little bit uh, historical fiction, but it's a little bit western as well. So we're tossing in all of our different uh, all, all everything into the stew. Yeah, so this is Court again. Uh, he says, "Wait here," and he leans towards the leaning stone that served him that served him as living quarters. Uh, in the in the original version, it said, uh, "Let's see." He went to the leaning stone that was his living quarters. So, eh, potato, potato. Yeah, wasn't really. Not really. Yeah, blue change. Came back with some bread to give it to them to spring, uh, and tells them, and he tells the two boys to. Uh, put the bread underneath of their shoes. So we find out later on exactly why. Uh, so ba, ba, ba. unleavened bread. Yeah. Interesting. Is any, yeah. Is there anything in that sort of religious? That, yeah. I feel like that's uh, like, that makes me think of uh, when, uh, what was it? When the Jews were fleeing from Egypt, they could only take uh, unleavened bread with them and uh, traveling clothes. So establishing just sort of that it's uh, kind of a, a quick bread, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and also establishing that this is sort of like an Old Testamenty kind of feel where uh, and if you want to put some wordplay into it, the bread has <laughs> not yet risen. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, there we go. So basically, this is sort of Old Testament justice, eye for an eye kind of thing, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. So the two boys are going to go watch the hanging. So they get there early, about two hours ahead of everyone else. Uh, and we've got a subtraction here. Uh, the birds were everywhere. Birds were everywhere. And of course, they were all black. But in the new version it just says the birds were everywhere uh it stood deserted except for the rooks and ravens the birds were so really no need if you if we've established that there are rooks and ravens there's no need to say and of course they're all black because that's what rooks and ravens are so yeah <laughs> true rooks and ravens but no crows or is a crow a rook? interesting what i feel like a crow yeah it's kind of hmm, it's... another name for i don't know Check the internet. Rooks, crows. Uh, how to tell them apart. Let's see. According to this, rooks, crows, and ravens are all part of the crow family known as corvids. Uh, a rook is see. a different bird. Huh. Yeah, so, so according to this... A rook is both this, a bird and a castle in chess? True, yeah. Rook is another word for the... the um, I'm blanking Castle. on it. Castle, okay. Rook, the... 
thought there was name? another word for it. Yeah, I thought there was a third name for it. Or maybe I usually just call it a rook, I guess. The hmm. battlement. The <laughs> minaret. I don't know. Not a minaret. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, ravens are much bigger than crows. Uh... Oh, interesting. Okay. So apparently rooks have a bare white grayish skin at the base of their bill that oh. uh, crows and uh, ravens do not have. They're all uh, scavengers is the important thing. Exactly. Here. All scavengers, so, all black feathers. So, which led me to believe that, like, uh, when this, this hanging happens, they leave the uh, body there for the, the black birds to... The corvids. Is that what you said they were called? Corvids, indeed, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and Cuthbert says it himself. They leave the bodies, uh, Cuthbert muttered, for the birds. Oh, okay. Oh, he yeah. specifically says that. Okay, way to go, Nate. Yeah. Come on, read. <laughs> yeah, you know, textually, yes. But yeah, so there they go. The boys are going to just sort of watch, and then Roland says, "Let's go up." Uh, Cuthbert looks at him with something like horror. Up there, do you think? Uh, and then that's uh, addition. Uh, originally, it just said he looked at him with something like horror. Do you think? So kind of a little bit of a. Yeah want to go up to the gallows uh, okay sure buddy yeah so uh, roland says we're years early no one will come uh so they walk up to the gibbet uh crows taking indignant wing uh circling like a mob of angry dispossessed peasants so <laughs> kind of establishing that the birds are almost like an analog for the, the lower class that they're, oh, wow. they're 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 scavenging off of the dead of the upper class Huh. Or at least that's how Roland sees it. Yeah, no, that's that's a great analogy. Indignant yeah. wing. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That would be a good band name. This is no Indignant Wing. I feel like that's like a metal band. Indignant wing. We fly with purpose across the sky. Uh, so for the first time, <laughs> for the first time, Roland felt the enormity of his responsibility in the matter. This wood was not noble, not part of the awesome machine of civilization, but merely warped pine covered with splattered white bird droppings. It was splashed everywhere, stairs, railing, platform, and it stank. So it, it's, this is, and this happens a couple times um, f- throughout this section, It's it's making him realize that this isn't some grand thing that's going to happen. It's not, it's just like, this is just wood with bird shit all over it. Okay. Yeah. And definitely sort of establishing that this is Roland's coming of age from boyhood to manhood that, and sort of seeing through, like, I feel like there's that difference of when you're little and you see things as, okay, these are the police. These are the champions of good. And these are the people who will, sort of fight against evil and whatnot. But then as you get older, you're like, oh, these are just people who, some of these were like bullies in high school who were kind of jerks. Who, And so you can see kind of the the way that the name of a thing doesn't necessarily reflect the thing itself in a way. That yeah, even yeah. when you break it down to its in, to its component parts, these are just people who might necessary might not be doing things for the good they might just be doing things because maybe they like violence or maybe they might be doing things because 
who knows, they're just standing up for the the system because of what the system is and not necessarily standing up for the, you know, the little guy, if it were. So, mm-hmm. and maybe this is the same way that Roland is seeing the gunslingers that, oh, this isn't like the the shining light of civilization. Maybe this is just a person killing another person and that's all there is to it. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, just a There's couple of changes in there. with a capital C, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so a couple of changes in there. We've got... Um, so uh, instead of taking indignant wing, in the new version it just says the birds took wing. So sadly uh, they removed our metal band, yeah. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that, and then another change here. Stephen King just tightening it up and saying, did I really Exactly, say? yeah. An unnecessary adjective, yeah. Uh, That's what every band name is. (laughs) Unnecessary adjectives. I feel like that's more of like a prog rock, like folk band. Unnecessary adjectives. (laughs) Very long songs. They're just rambling. Exactly. Absolutely. They do a cover of John Barleycorn. Yeah. (laughs) But yes. So then... And it, so then we've got an addition here, the pure dawn light of the in-world sky, sort of establishing in-world as, um, do I see this yet? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll say it. So in-world is like specifically the place where they are. So mm. sort of in-world is almost like saying... I don't know if it's quite the name of the country or is it the name of like saying Western Hemisphere, but it's sort of in that vein, kind of. Like so Earth. it's more of a geographical, yeah, kind of, yeah, mid Middle Earth, exactly. So or like uh, like uh, mid Midgard and Asgard and all those. Yeah, sort of like that, where it's Asgard or uh, yeah, like that. We've got another change here, uh, but merely warped pine from the forest of barony. So, just sort of establishing where the pine came from in this uh, in this in world, as it were. It's just a little extra fl- extra flavor, kind of extra flavor, extra description world building. Of, exactly. So then uh, Cuthbert is, looks at him with terrified eyes and he says, I can't, he whispered, bro, I can't. So basically the way we've added in, Cuthbert's nickname is Bert, uh, Roland's nickname is just Ro. So cool. adding in that one, just a little, you know, making them more friendly to each other. Yeah. So he's Kev. saying, I can't, I can't watch it. And then Roland just says, you can, Bert. I won't sleep tonight if I do in the new version uh the old version it just said i won't sleep and then roland just says business like then you won't not seeing what that had to do with it just basically kind of almost saying that cuthbert is still kind of on the child side of the child boy to adult line whereas roland has he has crossed over and he is a man now and he's just like nightmares are what they are you just have to it doesn't matter if you haven't uh if you don't if you don't sleep, you you still have to face what you what there is to face. Yeah, I, I, it makes me wonder what the conversation between uh, Cuthbert and Mister Allgood was like. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely a different conversation there. Like he told him what was up, and then his dad was just like, "Okay, you know, I'm going to take this to the people." And then like he didn't actually 
process it with his son as well as uh, Stephen Deshane did. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like Stephen Deshane might have had a little bit more of a talk with Roland than uh, Cuthbert's father would have. Point being that Roland's father had a little bit more definitely made sure that Roland kind of took this as a moment of, you know, crossing the threshold from boyhood to manhood. Yeah. So yeah, I won't sleep tonight, then you won't. Uh, Cuthbert suddenly seized Roland's hand and looked at him with such mute agony that Roland's own doubt came back and he wished sickly that they had never gone to the West Kitchen that night. His father had been right. Better every man, woman, and child in Farson than this. But whatever the lesson was, rusty, half-buried thing, he would not let it go or give up his grip on it. Let's not go up, Keithbert said. We've seen everything. And Roland nodded reluctantly, feeling his grip on that thing and whatever it was weakened. Hort, he knew, would have knocked them both sprawling and then forced them up to the platform step by cursing step and, and sniffing fresh blood back up their noses as they went. Court would probably have looped new hemp over the yard arm itself and put the noose around each of their necks in turn, would have made them stand on the trap to feel it, and Court would have been ready to strike them again if either wept or lost control of his batter, bladder. And Court, of course, would have been right for the first time in his life. Roland found himself hating his own childhood. He wished for the size and callousness. In, sorry, he wished for the size and calluses and sureness of age. Hmm. So this is really Roland uh, relating with Court. He's like, exactly. oh man, this guy's right. Yeah, we should totally yeah. just go go up there, feel that noose on her neck because this is what it's like, and we need to realize it. Cuthbert, Bert, you're being a you're being a wuss, Bert. Exactly. It's important to show the to to see the the gritty nature of what a hanging actually is, so that you don't condemn someone to death lightly. You have to absolutely know for absolute sure. Okay, this man, I have a- actual proof that he's going to do this. If this man isn't killed, then so many more people will die. So that you don't just go into it with a storybook idea of honor and uh, whatever. So that you have to you know, protecting other people's lives rather than killing him for treachery. So for this more concrete idea, which which I kind of like that. And then we got a couple of little changes here and there. Um, his father had been right. Better not to know, better every man, woman, and child in Taunton dead and stinking than this. So basically kind of, I feel like this is kind of that, that hinge from boyhood to manhood where it's, at first, Roland kind of em- empathizes with Cuthbert, where he's like, I don't want to go up. I don't want to see the, you know, the blood on the gallows. I don't want to feel the, the the rope around our necks. But then, as soon as he says that, but still, still, whatever the lesson was, rusty, whatever half-buried thing with sharp edges, he would not let it go or give up his grip on it. And then... Uh, a little later on, he says uh, uh, he would have forced them up the platform, uh, sniffing fresh blood back up their noses and down their throats like salty jam as they went. Mm. Just kind of re- making it seem a little bit more visceral that kind of the, the scent of blood like salty jam. Kind yeah, of gross. Very descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, sort of like as he's thinking this and suddenly relating to court i feel like that's when he sort of become uh sort of passes that 
sort of uh, gradient uh, threshold uh, between boyhood and manhood. And he is wishing, uh, in the new version, it just says he wished for the long boots of age. So a little bit more concise than uh, the uh, what you were saying there, yeah. So what, uh, what author is that? Uh, the, the time has come to put childish things away, or something. Hmm. Some sort of a saying. I yeah, I've heard that before. It's time has come to childish things. I don't know. Ernest Hemingway. No. It is the Bible. That. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Indeed. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child. But then I, when I became a man, I put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13.11. There you go. There you go. So not a literal Bible reference, but it implies a Bible reference there. So there's an unspoken, uh, you know, reference to Corinthians. Yeah. Not just so, life yeah. in general. But yeah. Also true. Boots yeah. of age. Mm. It happens to everybody. So he Indeed. pulls the splinter so, from the, the railing and keeps it. Cuthbert asks, why did he do that? Um, he wished to answer something swaggering. Oh, the luck of the gallows. But he only looked at Cuthbert and shook his head. Just so I'll have it, he said. Always have it. Which, mm. that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely kind of... Like we were saying, that bringing the viscerality of condemning someone to death home and keeping exactly what you're going to feel of uh, seeing the the bird shit on the the gallows and seeing the dried blood and even though court wasn't there and sort of but Roland still imagined sort of feeling the the hemp rope around his neck and feeling the viscerality I gotta I gotta say it again of <laughs> like standing there on the gallows and uh feeling what these condemned men will feel uh and just having this scr uh, scrap of it the sort of in your pocket just memory, this yeah. yeah the memory of it the and sometimes having that sort of a memento can bring back memories in a way that just thinking about them doesn't necessarily do. Absolutely, yeah. To, to yeah. have something, to feel it, to smell it, you know? Mm. I always exactly. think of these things. Like, like he actually said at one point, I like when they bring in the, the sense of smell in, in a book because, you know, that's not something you really get a lot. But he, he said that the, the, because of all the bird shit, it, it stank. It stank terribly, mm. you know? But, yeah. Anyway, uh, so they walk away from the gallows. Doo -doo -doo. Well, do you want to read? So, I've been reading yeah, the, just a couple of little changes in this paragraph. Uh, they came in broken down wagons and beat up buckas. Again, bringing back uh, buckas oh, yeah. from chapter one. Um, it sounds like buckas are some sort of coach or something. Exactly, yeah. Originally, it just said broken down wagons and shays. So oh. that's basically another word for the same thing that you pick up from context to the because i didn't know what a shay was but uh so and then here we've got uh they're bringing with their breakfast with them hampers of cold pancakes folded over fillings with wild strawberry jam so in the new version the it's got wild strawberry jam the people are eating and then earlier on uh the scent of blood going down their throats like salty jam sort of establishing oh, that yeah. kind of uh a, a, a parallel between the people who came to watch a hanging are almost coming to kind of in a metaphorical way almost to eat the condemned as it were yeah. 
They're like bloodthirsty, yeah. you know. They're, exactly, like, bloodthirsty. That's the I, I was looking for. I just thought this was so funny. All these people coming from far and wide. Let's go to the hanging. Everybody, bring a picnic yeah. lunch. We'll just sit out on the grass. It'll be great. It'll be. We'll yeah. make a day of it. Which, which is historically <laughs> accurate for medieval times that people would just go to hangings as a, oh, it's entertainment, as it were. Were were they forced to go, or, or do they want to go? <laughs> I think they were just for lack of anything better to do. <laughs> yeah, this was the entertainment of the time. It was either watch like jousting, which probably doesn't happen that often, or hey, we're going to watch this guy get killed. And you know what? Yeah. The people in charge told us he's bad, so he's bad. Yeah, let's yeah. hang this person. And not Indeed. In either case, they're watching a blood sport. Yeah. Uh-huh. It all just. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody likes so blood let's back, see. Yeah, Roland felt his stomach growl uh, hungrily and wondered again with despair where the honor and nobility was. Uh, and a minor league change there with a where wondered where the honor and nobility of it was, but that's a blue change. Um, addition here, he had been taught of such things, and he now forced to wonder if they had been lies all along or only treasures buried deep by the wise. He wanted to believe to believe that but it seemed and then back to the original here but it seemed to him that hacks in his dirty whites walking around walking around and around his steaming subterranean kitchen uh and then added in yelling at his pot boys uh had more honor than this so it's interesting kind of yeah. saying yeah is it more sort of in roland's mind he's saying it's more honorable to live and contribute food than it is to kill the people who are quote-unquote tra- uh, traitors so it's so interesting he's, qu- he's questioning the morality of it all and his father yeah. just specifically told him like you can't be moral this is yeah this just morality is going to be beyond you yeah yeah so yeah but it, it it is interesting that you know he's kind of struggling to come to grips with the dichotomy of this so there you go mm-hmm. and then fingered the splinter from the gallows tree with sick bewilderment uh and then cuthbert lay beside him with his face uh made impassive in the old version drawn impassive in the new version so face drawn impassive i feel like is a little bit more descriptive there yeah yeah, I think makes it seem it. almost that he's like gaunt, kind of in a way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the end, it wasn't uh, such of a much. And then in the old version, it said in the end, it was not so much. Uh, and Roland was glad. So this this so, starts section twelve in the new section version, twelve, yes, and just a new paragraph in the old. Yeah. Um, he's blindfolded. They were throwing stones at him. And some just continued to eat their breakfast, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, so there was another gunslinger. So I'll, I'll read this, I guess. Why not? A gunslinger whom the boy did not know. He was glad his father had not drawn the lot. Led the fat mm-hmm. cook carefully up the steps. Two guards of the watch had gone ahead and stood on either side of the trap. When Hacks and the gunslinger reached the top, the gunslinger threw the noosed rope over the cross tree and then put it over the cook's head dropping the knot until it lay just below the left ear. The birds had all flown, but Roland knew they were waiting. Do you wish to make confession? The gunslinger asked. I have nothing to confess, Hack said. His words carried well, and his voice was oddly dignified in spite of the muffle of cloth which hung over his lips. 
The cloth ruffled slightly in the faint, pleasant breeze that had blown up. I have not forgotten my father's face. It has been with me through all. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, a couple of little changes in there. The most continued with their breakfasts, and then in the new version it says, most continued with their breakfast as they watched. Uh... A gunslinger whom the boy did not know well, as opposed to just a gunslinger he didn't know. Oh. And then saying uh, his father had not drawn the black stone. So making it more implied that his father hadn't drawn the lot, or as it were. Right. So, right. so it's uh, a, uh, like a ritual that the gunslingers have. We're like, all right, here's a bag of stones. All of them are gray. Mm-hmm. One's black. Gotcha. Exactly. And establishing <laughs> that gunslingers are both the... The police, the jury, the judge, and the executioner. And so having all of those things be in the yeah. hands of one like class of people or one profession is not a good idea, really. Yeah, yeah that kind of implies a little bit of a totalitarian regime, kind of. Mm-hmm. He has control of the courts and the Senate. He's too dangerous <laughs> to be kept alive. <laughs> Sorry. Star Wars. Um... Always Star Wars. <laughs> So, yeah, we've definitely got uh, Hack seeming more honorable than the man who is killing him, even though he has been, you know, uh, Roland isn't quite sure anymore. He's not quite sure what the right thing to do was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's uh, disturbed by what he saw in the crowd. A sense of empathy, perhaps a sense of sympathy, perhaps admiration. He would ask his father when traitors when traitors are called heroes or heroes, traitors, he supposed in a frowning way. Dark times must have fallen. Dark times indeed. So definitely establishing that there's sort of a whiff of revolution in the air, that the people in the crowd are just sort of kind of nodding along to his words there. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. The uh, lower class is beginning to rise up, I feel. Exactly. So perhaps not Cuthbert. Perhaps Bert would buckle in under court's steady fire and remain a page or a uh, houseboy, or infinitely worse, a perfumed diplomat. Uh, but he would not. He, uh, he knew it. So basically, just establishing that Roland would be a gun would definitely become a gunslinger. Uh, oh no no no! Hang on, let me go back. So at the beginning, it said uh, his mind flashed to court and the bread court had given him. He felt contempt. The day was coming when court would serve him. So, sort of implied would sort would serve him as a gunslinger, and perhaps not not Cuthbert. So, kind of establishing that even at this point in his life, Roland is like eh, maybe Cuthbert doesn't have quite have what it takes. Maybe Cuthbert's yeah, not going to be a gunslinger. Exactly. Maybe he'll just be a page or a horse boy, or infinitely worse, a per- perfumed diplomat, dallying and receiving chambers or looking into bogus crystal balls with doddering kings. I like that. <laughs> it's like the yeah. worst thing that you, you. I'd rather pick up horse shit than um, be a perfumed diplomat. But exactly. It seems like yeah. Cuthbert is smart enough for that, and but you know, um, Roland wants to be the gunslinger that's what exactly yeah and an addition here it says he was for the open lands and long rides that this seemed a good fate was something he would marvel over later in his solitude mm. so again saying that roland he just has this assumption that to be a gunslinger is the best thing that there is to be and then later on when he actually finally becomes a gunslinger he would marvel over it later in his solitude yeah. and sort of oh, saying that's... that he is he has chosen this life of loneliness yeah 
Mm-hmm. And he would marvel that he thought this was a good thing. That's a that's a good line. Yeah. Sometimes mm. it, it, the thing that you want in life isn't always the best thing for you. Correct. Yeah. So Cuthbert is like Roland, and then Roland says, I'm here. He took Cuthbert's hands and their fists locked their fingers locked together like iron. And then this whole part is added in where it says, Charge be capital murder and sedition, the gunslinger said. You have crossed the white, and I, Charles, son of Charles, cosign you ever to the black. The crowd m- murmured, some in pro- protest. I never tell your tale in the underworld, maggot, said Charles of Charles, and he yanked the lever with both yellow gauntlet ha- gauntleted hands. So, establishing that they at least had a little bit of ceremony for what the gunslinger said. Yeah, in the yeah. old version, yeah, in the old that- version, literally just after uh, giving him his last words, he just pulled the lever right away without even saying anything to the crowd. Or explaining what the charge is. So, yeah, it was nothing. It was just the trap dropped. Yeah, they kind of left a lot out there. I think that's an important addition. Mm. Um, Agreed, yeah. It's Charles, and then, son of Charles. Is the gunslinger. Yeah, uh, establishing who this gunslinger is. Charles, son of Charles. Yeah. And then uh, in the new version, after it says the ha- uh, hacks plummeted through and then added it in, uh, still trying to talk. Roland never forgot that. The cook went still trying to talk. And where did he finish that last sentence? He would never begin on earth. His words were ended by the sound of an exploding, the sound an exploding pine knot makes in the hearth in the cold heart of a winter night. Wow. So, <laughs> the, yeah, in the original yeah, that, that, it just said... Yeah, uh, that's an addition. Yeah, they, they didn't talk about how... Um, uh, well, you, you don't even see that. It says, I never, because that isn't there. Um, it just says hacks plummeted through and in the sudden stillness there was a sound it just jumped right to that rather than talking about um, how hacks had died uh, still trying to speak you know mm. so that's that's an important addition I, li- I like that one agreed yeah it seems like he's still trying to explain himself even but the the oppressive uh, upper class is just silencing him yeah right but then um, <laughs> but it, but it was not so much in the old one the new one and says but on the whole he thought it not so much but that goes back to what we were saying it's like well and he died and it wasn't actually that big of a deal yeah um so now it's true. the the objective nature of watching someone die is much different than the subjective nature of like from the outside you just see someone walking up to the thing they put a, a noose around their neck and then all of a sudden the person becomes an object whereas in subjectively it's death it's the end of a person's life it's such like a much bigger deal on the inside than it is on the outside so and also going back to roland being unimaginative that's why it seems like it wasn't such of a much because he's just observing objective reality of just yeah the person just going from a person to a dead body in the span of a few seconds so yeah pretty wild mm. yeah i was there mm. when uh when dad's both of his parents passed away i was in the the hospital room and it was pretty wild to watch just like to oh. sit there and it was yeah, grandma papa backerman um it, this was separate times I, I don't know why i was there both times but it's just yeah i thought now they're no longer here you know or um obviously i put down my dog nala and our cat mm. leah here and just to be there when you know the the everything goes out it's it really isn't 
like that big thing that you, you're gonna it's like well that just ended and it's okay now we're gonna i guess we'll go get some food or something i don't know what to do now mm. like it's it's very strange um but yeah i think i i went from a uh uh i, I grew up a little bit that day just like uh roland is growing up here you know it's a big thing to witness you know yeah um, i didn't know that uh, yeah, yeah that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just happy to be there for dad. You know, that was, that's the point. Indeed. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. It's, it's more important to, to be there for the living than the person who is dying. Yeah. Right. Right. But I mean, I, I suppose, you know, in a person's final moments, they, they want to be surrounded by their loved ones. So it's important to be there well, for the too. person yeah. who's dying want, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think both of them were pretty, uh, you know, not with it and couldn't really understand. Well, that so is it was, true. It was, as was, but yeah, of course I was there for them as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we're bringing it down, but I guess we are at a hanging, so that's what's going to... Exactly. It's a time to think about death, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so yeah. all the people, uh, the crowd dispersed rapidly after that. Um, and they made a satisfied whistling noise. Ugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the guard of the watch drops their military pose, and then Charles, son of Charles, uh, again, adding in this gunslinger's name, uh, walked back down the steps slowly, mounted his horse and rode off, cu- cutting roughly through a gaggle of picnickers, quirting a few of their the slow coaches and making them scurry. So, kind of establishing that gunslingers don't don't care about the com- common people. Exactly, they're just here yeah. for exactly. <laughs> they're they're riding straight through somebody's picnic basket. Yeah. <laughs> so much for your pokeberry jam. My horse <laughs> needs to get through here. Out of the way, people. <laughs> yeah. Break up this rabble. Yeah. So meanwhile, the two boys, Roland and Cuthbert, are waiting along. And then uh, after 40 minutes, they were left alone. And then, let's see, they the birds were there to examine their new prize. And so the two boys then uh, leave their rough chunks of uh, bread underneath of the, the feet of the hanged man. And then, let's see, the... As they spoke, let's no, no, no. Um, okay, it doesn't look like him at all. Cuthbert said, "Oh yes, it does." Roland said confidently, the bread in his hands. Bert look abashed, and then old version. It was just Cuthbert looked looked abashed. So again, nickname basis, but just uh, sort of establishing that Roland is on more the adult side of that divide, where he's exactly, saying no. Yeah, yeah. This it is still the same like person, the same whereas Cuthbert yeah. is still on the childish side where he's just like, no, 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 it's just a thing. It's 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 not a person who died. Uh, he's trying to compartmentalize it, but Roland is just staring full in the face of the thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cuthbert says it was good. I, I, I liked it. I did. And Roland was not shocked by this, but he had not particularly cared for the scene. But he thought he could perhaps understand what Bert was saying. And then uh, in the old version, it just says, uh, but he could perhaps understand it. So, again, uh, being more descriptive of just the the it of the thing. And then Mm -hmm. added in, perhaps he'd not finish as a diplomat after all. Jokes and easy line of talk or not. So Roland is (laughs) respecting Cuthbert a little bit more because of his bloodthirsty nature of enjoying whatever this hanging is. Yeah, You could touch his leg and you enjoyed it. Great. You are a gunslinger after all. (laughs) 
So, yeah. Uh, I don't know um, about that, but it was something. It surely was. So, right, so then we've got... Ooh, yeah. uh, one last thing. This is the land important. did not. F- yeah. yeah, the land did not fall to the good man for another five years. Or in the old version, it said for another ten years. So, kind of speeding up the timeline by, a, by twice as much. Uh, so, by that time, Roland was a gunslinger. His father was dead, and he himself had become a matricide. The world had moved on. And then added in, the long years and long rides had begun. So, so, we, so much in all that last sudden, paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much in that last sentence, yeah. Uh, so his in in the course of five years from Roland being, what, Jake's age, maybe like 10 or 15, maybe like 9 or 10 years old. So by the time Roland is about 15 or 16, uh, the, by that point, the land would fall to the good man. Roland would be a gunslinger, his father would be dead, and Roland will have killed his mother. Yeah, Yikes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much happens so, as well. That's that's a uh, cliffhanger if I've ever seen one. Yes, and speaking indeed. of cl- hanging on cliffs... <laughs> <laughs> so this now goes into section three of the way yes. station in the old one. Uh, this is section, section 13 in the new one. Thir- 13 in the new one. Oh, my goodness. Um, Look, Jake said, pointing upward. Uh, The the gunslinger looked up and felt an obscure joint in his back pop. They had been in the foothills two days now, and although the water skins were almost empty again, it didn't matter now. They would soon be... Sorry. There would soon be all the water they could drink. He followed the Mm -hmm. vector of Jake's finger upward past the rise of the green plain to the naked and flashing cliffs and gorges above it and on up toward the snowcap itself. Faint and far, nothing but a tiny dot it might have been. One of those motes that dance perpetually in front of the eyes, except for its constancy. The gunslinger beheld the man in black, moving up the slopes with deadly progress. A minuscule fly on a huge granite wall. Ooh. Any, any changes? Makes me there? think of, uh, makes me think of the, the cliffs of insanity and, uh, <laughs> yes. uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only Fezzik is strong enough to go our way. Uh, but yeah, a couple of changes in there where instead of an obs- uh, obscure joint in his back, it's a twinge in his right hip. Uh, and then it says that he winced. So maybe, uh, let's see, some kind of a, a twinge in his hip. So we'll just leave that for now. But uh, let's see. And it took out the and. So it just says on up towards the snow cap itself. So potato potato changes as i as i call it where it doesn't really make much difference right just sort of concise uh, changes in words but so yes we we see the man in black for the first time uh directly as opposed to just hearing stories about him or seeing his the remains of his ideographic patterns in uh fires and whatnot yeah we're actually seeing him there he is still far away though that they gotta climb these mountains (laughs) <laughs> exactly just barely see him but he's going up the side of the mountain so there they go um so basically the two of them are going towards this mountain and they're leaving the desert behind thank god because it very nearly killed uh roland <laughs> they made it they made it they made it they made it uh, into grass. some sort of a, an oasis if you will yeah so um, they see the mountain foothills uh s- sending small pebbles uh uh down towards the desert that washed towards them in a flat baked sheet so yeah 
I like uh, just to go back. He says, uh, "Do you think we'll catch him? Not on this side, on the other, and not if we stand here talking about it." Let's go! Like it's like it just gets you excited for like the end of the book. You're like, "Yeah, let's go get him! Come on, Jake!" <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the so definitely they keep going. Um, then we've got, let's see. He thought of Cuthbert's face, hot, dismayed, excited. So kind of looking at this boy and seeing another. A little bit more imaginative friend that he's going along his journey with and kind of thinking back to probably what happened to Cuthbert in the end which we do not know yet so yeah uh it ends this way he thought again and again it ends this way there are quests and roads that lead ever onward and all of them end in the same place upon the killing ground except perhaps the road to the tower so that's, I feel like, Roland's just whole worldview in a sentence that everything either ends on the killing floor or on the road to the tower. Mm. So that's where he's headed. The tower. Which I still mm. don't know what it is. Uh, oh, and then also in the new one, it says there Ka might show its true face. Exactly. That's Ka so, lowercase. Tower is capitalized. Ka is lowercase. Might show its true face. So True. is Ka more of a belief than an actual being? Or, yeah, it seems like it's or, more of a concept. Or is it like evil yeah. in quotes? I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, so then it just so. ends with, The boy, the sacrifice, his face innocent and very young in the light of their tiny fire, had fallen asleep over his beans. The gunslinger covered him with his horse blanket and then curled up to sleep himself. Uh, oh. Little cow poke falling asleep over his beans. <laughs> but yeah. We don't have much it's... food. You're going to waste the beans? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Roland pulled all those cans out from the, the basement of the, the way station. So That's they true. have a little I'm bit sure. more food than they thought that they did. They probably saved the leftovers. Um, For sure. But For yeah, sure. just He's being a... nice, putting a horse blanket on him. Good job. Putting a blanket over him. Exactly. His, the boy, the sacrifice. So again, we've established, we're putting this, uh, putting Jake in terms of something that Roland is likely to sacrifice on his journey to the tower. So again, we've got some foreshadowing here with bad news for Jake. We'll see what happens to him. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Mm. Oh yeah. The boy, the sacrifice. I didn't see that. Mm, his face innocent and very young so uh, basically and there again he um it's only when he's actually talking to him that he refers to him as jake uh as he's talking about him he just refers to him as the boy the the kid whatever so he's kind of putting a little bit of distance between himself and jake yeah i see i didn't oh man oh gosh what's gonna happen to jake oh no (laughs) we'll find out next week (laughs) yeah we'll see so let's say i think that's a good uh good place to call it uh so Uh, so how far should i read kev um let's see so now we are next section is the oracle in the mountains chapter three let's uh read through section six of the new version of the book and i'll figure out what that is you'll figure yeah exactly 27 pages long in my original edition so all right so let's say somewhere around where this picture is that i don't want to look at yet (laughs) uh (laughs) let's say okay so the words to stop are when he says you're sick so when he says you're sick that means that's the time to uh stop that section sounds good 
All right. Indeed, so we'll this has been another episode of Chapter Brothers. I hope you all enjoyed it. And don't forget to follow us. Uh, I mean, you're clearly you're listening to us now, so you found uh, through your own way. But if you want to recommend us to your friends, Chapter Brothers Podcast can be listened to on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Deezer, and TuneIn. So... Tell your friends, uh, uh, all of those podcasts, uh, you can listen to Chapter Brothers and uh, make sure to uh, subscribe so you hear all of the newest episodes. And uh, yeah, and we'll see you next time as we talk about the Oracle in the Mountains. Uh, My name is Nick Ackerman. My name is Kevin Ackerman. All right. And uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. I love you, brother. (laughs) Love you too, brother. Bye bye.